Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Chaffin, along with Artemis Brower. Uh, we're coming to you this week with, I believe, episode 31, Artie. How you feeling, man? 3-1, 3-1. I'm feeling good, man. Feeling good. I'm excited for this weekend's game, so let's go ahead and dive into it. Yeah, 3-1, just like just like the Braves are up right now, 3-1. Uh, we feeling good over here. Um, Absolutely. So, real quick, I, want, I wanted to just announce who we've got uh, going on today's, uh, this week's podcast. We're, you're going to hear from the head coach, the, the offensive and defensive coordinator, and then we're also going to have uh, – we have two guests this week. Pete Medhurst, who is the play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipmen. And Mitchell Northam, who, uh, who he, he covers Navy from a, from a website called Against All Enemies. Um, that They cover all the military academies. So we got him on, and we talk a little bit about Navy and, and what they're all about. But, Artie, uh, some big news has kind of come out over the past couple of days. Um, we're we're just gonna jump right into it. There's some rumors. Um, we know that there's a situation. We don't know the full extent of the situation. Basically, Coach Mike Houston basically said there's there is some kind of COVID outbreak. Um, we don't we don't know who has it. He won't say. There's some names and rumors spec that are circulating, and and people are speculating who it may be. Um, that that's not. That's not our job on the podcast to tell who that is or who we might think it is. Um, because, I mean, I, I think that that's something about the, the player's privacy. But um, what, what's your take on, on what you But wouldn't you think that this would have to come out by tomorrow, though? I mean, the game's on Saturday. So, if, I mean, if there is any kind of COVID discrepancies, this would have to come out they, probably not, today or, or tomorrow. I mean, you can't. They're not gonna. No, they're, I mean, we don't, they're not gonna announce names. I mean that that's fine, but are we going to be able to play? Is is my question. If you're not going to name well, names, then how many is it? Is it a problem as far as us going it, forward? As far as playing the football game, you I, know, does Navy know? Navy Navy deserves to know. Navy, they don't wanna, I'm sure. I'm sure at this point, Navy knows. Okay. I. I I don't think that it's enough to postpone the game or cancel the game. I think mm. that um, right now we're looking at maybe five to ten guys, um, and I, I think most of them are. That's that's an outbreak. That's a that's a full blown outbreak. Yeah, but I, I that that might be more than more than what's actually accounted for. Um, right. We hope uh, it's a bunch of uh, you know false uh, false positives. But. This game's going to be played this weekend. I I don't have any doubt in my mind that this game's going to be played. If there was enough to – I mean, the teams have practiced. They've been together for the last three or four days. Like, the guys that are in protocol now are quarantining. They're, they're isolating. So, if they've been, been found out through contact tracing, then they're in quarantine. They're not going to be – available this week until their tests come back positive tomorrow. They'll, they'll have another test around the test tomorrow and they'll get those results uh, probably closer to game time. Usually it takes about 24 hours. So um, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully the guys that tested positive for, for COVID-19 will then be able to um, test negative for COVID-19 
And that that negative test, that's all they need is one negative test, and they're back in the game. Um, I, looking at it, I mean, it looks like we uh, we might be down some some key guys coming into this week. And um, I mean, Coach Houston, he he kind of he he came on on Wednesday to mm-hmm. to talk to the media, and um, he kind of gave a brief statement and answered a few questions, but he he really wasn't um, he wasn't really open to telling any giving any details about who it might be who who may have it who may not have it um so that that's the one thing that concerns me um is we don't know who has it and we won't we probably won't know that until saturday when when they come out for warm-ups and i guarantee in the press box everybody's going to have their eyes glued to who is out there they're everybody's going to be counting off numbers first thing during warm-ups yeah, I mean, and, and above all else, you know, we want to wish the speedy recovery of anyone that is positive. I mean, that's that's the most important thing is to make sure that these kids are healthy and to make sure that they come back healthy and, and, and can, you know, contribute, um, you know, on the field as soon as possible. So, we you know, we hope for the speedy recovery of anyone that has it and anybody that's positive. Yeah, um, but, Artie, I say let's go ahead and uh, we'll – I want, I want everybody to hear the press conference with Coach Mike Houston and the offensive and defensive coordinators, uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick and friend of the podcast, Blake Harrell. Um, let, let's go ahead and throw it over to that, and then uh, we'll be back to you to uh, break down Navy, Navy, the Naval Academy. How's that sound? Let's do it. All righty. How are we doing, guys? Doing well, Coach. Okay, guys, we've got Coach Houston on. Uh, so before we get the uh, coordinators, uh, Coach Houston has a couple things that he would like to uh, address with the media. So with that, we'll send it over to Coach. Okay, I just uh, I just want to jump on real quick before the coordinators got on here. I thought it was important to hear from me uh, first today. Um, you know, we all knew this year was going to have a lot of uncertainty uh, surrounding it uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, you know, we're seeing it all across the country uh, in, the, in the sport of college football. I think particularly with some of the news that came out uh, this afternoon that uh, I got when I was coming off the field about the University of Alabama. Obviously, there's, uh, there's things in Florida. It's just, you know, it's a different year, and, and we're all dealing with a lot of stuff. Um, it's not been easy to deal with, um, and it's a situation that we take very seriously in the way we handle it uh, and our protocols. Um, the big thing is I've been really, really proud of our young men uh, and how they've handled everything we're asking them to do on a weekly basis. Uh, obviously, it's not uh, normal. It's, uh, it's something that's, you know, it's inconvenient. Uh, it's difficult at times, um, but they've, they've done a great job of understanding the process and really trying to do a great job of adhering to it. Um, we are dealing with some issues right now. We'll continue to work through them as, uh, as the week goes on. Uh, we had another round of testing today uh, so it's a situation that's still very fluid. Um, we've had two really good practices, particularly today. Uh, really pleased with the way our team practiced today, the, the energy, the effort, uh, just, you know, the, the, the performance, uh, you know, really able to, to uh, you know, correct some things from yesterday and really have a productive day. Uh, feel very, very good about where we are going into the weekend. Um, 
you know, we're seeing we're, we're facing a very talented Navy team this weekend. Obviously, it's going to be a great challenge, uh, but I feel confident our team is going to be ready to go. Um, not really going to discuss or get into who's available or who not who's not available right now. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the group that we have on the field. We have had to make some adjustments, uh, but uh, those adjustments have, have been made and uh, are going to continue to be made. Uh, the staff is working, uh, you know, very hard to ensure that we're prepared for the game this weekend, uh, but we won't have a true picture until the end of the week of what, uh, of what our roster is going to look like. Uh, we knew it was going to be an abnormal year. Uh, everybody understood that. Our players understood that. Uh, and I'm really proud of the way that they've uh, they've handled the adversity. So, any quick questions before I bring the coordinators on? Coach, I know you don't want to discuss names. Can you at least give us some numbers, the, the amount of people that are involved as far as positive tests and, and the amount of folks through contact tracing this affects? Well, like I said, you know, with another round of testing this morning, you know, it's still something we don't have a clear picture on. So, we'll be able to have a clearer picture towards the end of the week. Coach, there are – Obviously, some rumors out there about Holt's sure. status. Uh, can you just address his status and if he's involved in all this? Uh, there, there's no way I want to address any kind of rumor, and you know how rumors go, so you better be careful. Did he practice today, or did, did uh, quarterbacks practice? I'm, going, I'm not discussing any players. Uh, that's why I said at the very beginning of this thing, just want to get on here and address that. So, uh, any other questions? Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate thanks, your understanding. Okay, thank you, Coach. Good evening. Hey, Coach, how are you? Good. I got to prop the chair up a little bit higher than Coach Houston had it. <laughs> <laughs> make make sure you don't record that one. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll go ahead and open up the questions to Coach Harrell. Uh, Coach, obviously triple option week. I know you've got a lot of experience with it, but but what's this week like, or what's this week like from a preparation standpoint? You know, it's, it's in some ways it's like every other week. You just kind of got to get to focus on your opponent. You got to get familiar with them, what they do, how they you think they're going to attack you. Make sure your kids understand the plan, know the plan, feel comfortable with the plan, and then go execute it and execute it with great effort and great energy and. Um, you know, great execution and, and go from there. So it's, for me, it's, it's been very familiar. It's, just, you know, it's, a, it's a, what you're used to. It's kind of what you spent the last, I don't know, 12, 13 years doing. And now it's just getting our kids comfortable and used to it. And they've done a great job of that this week and just kind of building on it every day. And you can see them feeling more and more comfortable. Light bulbs coming on for them. And, and they're really playing fast right now. I wanted to ask Blake about the linebackers. And when you look at Aaron Rim, Sir is kind of emergent, and then Dre Wilson. With, with their speed, those two guys specifically, how much of a factor could that be when you look at Navy's running backs and what they do? Um, it, could that be a big factor and help you all this week? Yeah, Rim Zero had a really nice game last week, and I, I kind of knew that he was starting to peak and starting to catch up with everybody else with the time he missed in preseason and uh, really come out and, and had a nice showing last week. and. Uh, Jaira's done the same thing, and, and both those guys, anytime you play a triple option offense, uh, you, your linebacker's got to be a big piece to that, and they got to be a big, big piece of, you know, doing their job and execution and, and make sure they do their responsibility. And uh, it's one of those games, those, those guys going to be involved in almost every snap. Coach, what's the, the single toughest thing about defending the option? You know, I, th I think uh, – 
for for some some guys, you're, you're used to getting 11 hats to the ball. There's only one thread on a play. Uh, you you think about the, the previous three or four weeks there, and you just everybody gets to the ball, everybody gets to the screen play, the stretch play, whatever it may be. Now it's hey, this guy does his responsibility to tackle the dive. Now this guy does his responsibility to tackle tackle the quarterback. Now this guy does his responsibility to tackle the pitch. So you kind of got three different layers to it. So that that adds a little bit of of uh, uniqueness and discipline to it. Um, but at the same time, it's it's a you know it's a football. Coach, I had a question as far as I know. Coach Houston's talking about you guys been preparing for this game along for a long time now. I know that it's never easy with the option, but it sounds like you guys have to be more confident knowing that you've been practicing this for a good while. Certainly, I told our guys we probably spent more time on this single opponent than we have uh, anybody on our schedule, and just because the uniqueness of the offense. Uh, practices every day during fall camp, and then every week, uh, spend some time on it with, with our players in practice, watching film with it. So it, it's been a you know a game that just because of the uniqueness of the offense that you have to circle and kind of prepare for it all season long until you you face that opponent. How was your first ECU victory dinner, and what did it mean for the players to get to participate in that over the weekend? You know, the big, the big thing for me, just seeing those guys and, and enjoying a win with those guys in the locker room, at the, at the dinner, wherever it may be, um, and, and watching them celebrate and just kind of glow up. And, and I think with when they go play well and get the victory, you can just see their confidence level rise. And that's pretty exciting as a coach and as a teacher just to see that as a, uh, you know, the confidence building those guys. Blake, what's your sense of uh, how your team will match up in terms of trying to defend the option? Um, in general, personnel-wise, with the guys that you've got uh, to use this this weekend? You know, I'm, I'm excited about, you know, just the guys, the way they've been practicing, flying around and, and fitting their responsibilities and how they play in the, the option. Um, per, personnel, I don't know if you're talking about our personnel versus their personnel. Sometimes it's more of can we be disciplined? Can we do our job against a triple option football team? They've got some some really good old linemen that come off the, come off the ball, nice low, low pad level. So we got to do a great job up front, you know, of, of taking that on. Uh, the, the, the fullbacks, are obviously, they're leading rushers. we got to do a good job taking them out of the game, and as well as the quarterback in the pitch. So uh, at every level, you know, D-line, D-ends, linebackers, safeties, corners, we got to do a great job of fitting our responsibility and doing our job. Their quarterback, I mean, he can – he looks like he can throw it. But, you know, you look at last week, they ran it 60 times compared to two throws. I guess just how – where do you have to be as a defender of that ability to drop back and throw it when they can sneak up on you like that? Yeah, I think, I think the unique thing about a triple option is you're going to have a lot of one-on-one -on -one matchups and, and they're going to get you in those situations. So you got to make sure you're over the top of those guys. And, you know, at some point they're going to take their shot and you got to do a great job with your eyes and making sure that when your guy releases, you're there to make the play. And the guys up front, when it turns into a, a play-action pass, we got to get to the quarterback. And um, like you said, he, he can certainly has a good arm, certainly does a good job with it. And if you give him an opportunity to throw it, he's going he's gonna to do that. Coach, I had a question as far as uh, with, with Navy. Uh, East Carolina's only beat Navy once. That was in Annapolis. Another thing is the Pirates have had a really hard time with a lot of points being scored in, in previous games. How do you limit the number of points this week? I know it's tough to defend the option and, and uh, big plays, but how do you, how do, you do it? Well, we, you know, I always tell our guys the big, the big thing we talk about in our locker room is don't look in the rearview mirror at the at the past years or the past game or the last play. 
always look out the windshield. That's the first thing we talk about is just, hey, it doesn't matter about the past, whatever previous years, what happened, what didn't happen, uh, what went wrong, what went good, what went, you know, every, everything. And, and that's kind of the mentality that we've been building all along. Um, but at the same time, you know you're going to get limited number of possessions against those guys, and you got to get some stops. you got to win the first down, put them in long yard situation, keep them off schedule, put them in second long, third and long. If they get you in second, medium, third, and short, then they're in their comfort zone. That's where they, they operate best. But if you can get them behind the chains, behind the sticks, then you got a chance to get them off the field. So that's, that's kind of been our focus and, and what we kind of look at the windshield at. Any other questions? One final question. Uh, yeah, Coach, it's Bill Wagner. I'm with the Baltimore Sun newspaper. I cover Navy athletics. Can you talk about your relationship with Navy defensive coordinator Brian Newberry? He indicated that you all knew each other and had met through some clinics and talked. And I don't know if you ended up as his successor at Kennesaw State had anything to do with the relationship you have. But he mentioned that when you did take over, he – you know, had some discussions with you, maybe about personnel or whatever. But can you just talk about your relationship with Brian? Yeah, Coach Newberry, he's a, a great football coach and even a better man and a good friend. And uh, several friends on that staff with, with him, P.J. Volker and Kevin Downing, all, all, all great guys. You know, and Coach Newberry has been a good sounding board over the years. Just one of those guys you always uh, chat with, talk a little ball with, you know, get on the phone and discuss this and that. And uh, we went to, uh, when I got a chance, opportunity to go to Kennesaw State, and he was probably instrumental in, in helping me get that opportunity. Um, we, we certainly had some discussions about personnel and things he was doing there. And, you know, he gave me some advice, and it's, it's been really well, really good for me. So, uh, you know, he, he, he's done a great job at Navy. He's, he's done really well up there. And do you feel like, I mean, the Brian Bohannon comes from the same option tree as as Ken Niamatololo and Ivan Jasper, the Paul Johnson option tree. Yeah. You think getting to see that every day in practice helps you in particular when going against Navy because their option is unique. It's not the same as what Coach Houston ran at Citadel and Lenore Ryan. Yeah, I think uh, anytime as a football coach, you get a chance to see a certain offense every day in practice, whether it be spring ball, fall camp, or uh, it helps you be familiar with what they're, how they're trying to attack you or, uh, the things they like to do, why they do it, and, and maybe just understanding the offense. Um, you know, at the same time, we always have a saying that it's not what you know, it's what your players know. And that's the important part this week is we got to get our players to understand, uh, you know, our fits, our scheme, and, and what we're looking for on game day. So that's important. And they're doing a great job with that. And, and I'm really pleased about where we are at this point in the week. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks, Coach Harrell. Appreciate your time tonight. All right. Appreciate y'all. Hello, hello. Hey, Coach, how are you, sir? All right, wake up over there. There we go. <laughs> All right, Coach, we're going to go straight into questions, okay? I figured we would. Let's do All it. All right. Hey, Donnie, this is Troy. Do you uh, envision Mason Garcia having significant playing time on Saturday and possibly even starting? This must be a big game. Uh, Troy's here? <laughs> he, he hasn't been here in any of these games on Wednesday. Is this like a really, really big game? No, no. What's going on here, huh? Good to see you, Coach. You know, good to see you. Uh, you know, every game you prepare for everybody to be ready to go. That, that's what you have to do. And Mason has made a lot of progress, I would say, the last three weeks or so. Uh, you know, he got in a little bit at the Georgia State game. Uh, 
Wish we would have gotten him in there a little bit earlier. Wish we could have gotten a few more snaps out of him. Just that week, had he moved ahead to the number two spot, uh, he had an opportunity. The Alex Flynn's arm got a little sore. Alex had to miss about a week of practice. Mason came in, and with that work, really started to improve. So uh, last week, we had him warming up. We were ready to get him in there. I never dreamed we were going to go on an eight-minute drive. You know, we were trying to. Didn't realize we'd be able to do that. And unfortunately, we didn't get the ball back. He didn't get in. So I was hoping he's going to make a contribution in those two games. And you know what? When you teach them every week, opportunity knocks, you better be ready because you, you never know when it's going to be your time. And so I can't predict the future, but I think he is getting closer to being ready to answer that bell if he gets called. Coach Houston talked a lot about the situation you guys are dealing with. He didn't give a lot of details or information. There are a lot of rumors out there. Is there any discuss within the coaching ranks of whether this game potentially and how bad those numbers are could even be postponed? Uh, no, because I don't have those figures. You know, I, I go in there and get my nose poked all the way back to the what little brain I have. Uh, and then I just nervously wait till I get the email that says that, that I'm negative, you know, and, and, and glad that I am each week. And we get tested three times a week. Uh, we did test on Monday. Uh, we just tested again this morning. We usually don't hear back till the next day. So I know there's a lot of things going on. Somebody just told me Coach Saban had, had gotten it and I uh, wasn't really aware that Coach Bowden had been in the, uh, the hospital or whatever. So I'm a little behind on the, on the news part of it. But uh, every, every week we, we wait through that Friday test to make sure we're clear. And we're, we're worried that we're gonna go play the game because the other team. So, so you, you just don't know. I, I basically just uh, follow my last direct order try to be where I'm at, supposed to be there on time. Donnie, I think last year we asked you the same type of question. It comes up with Navy every time, but is the philosophy, do you air it out and outscore them and, and go big, or, or do you kind of play into time possession? You know, how do you balance playing offense against their offense, I guess? Well, first of all, you hit on it. You, you have to outscore them or you can't win the game. That's the only way to win the game is to outscore them. Now, you could outscore them three to nothing. You could outscore them 103 to 100, I guess. But you got to try to outscore them. Uh, the thing you have to do with with this offense is you have to make your possessions count because you're not going to get many of them. You know, uh, last week, I don't. What did we get? Three or four possessions in the first quarter, and uh, you, you get you get maybe three or four a half. You know, when you play a team like this, because they control the ball, they don't stop the clock very much. And, uh, you know, unless you can get some turnovers and then they'll go for it to, to them, third and short is, you know, great. Or they, they like fourth and short. So they'll, they'll keep the ball. They, and so you have to make your possessions count. You can't turn it over, obviously. Uh, now, uh, I think we have to be aggressive, but aggressive, what's that mean? That doesn't necessarily mean throw, run. You have to kind of take what the defense gives you a little bit. You know what I'm saying? If they're playing pass, you got to run it. And if they're taking the run away, sometimes you got to throw it. So, again, we always talk about we just try to be balanced. Balance means having the ability to do either one well. Uh, the game kind of dictates. Uh, we, we, we didn't throw it as much last week, and we scored more points. Uh, that was good. Uh, the week before, we threw it 50 times. You know, you don't want to throw it 50 because you have to throw it 50. If we throw it 50 because we want to throw it 50, I'm great with that. That'd, that'd be good. If that's what they're giving us. That's what we got to take. That probably wasn't much of an answer to your question there. I'm sorry, but that, that's, that's what we do every week. <laughs> so I don't know. Ronnie, your offense continues to evolve on your end. And uh, your improved running game, 
yeah. throwing the ball well. Um, what's your general feeling about how your your bunch comes into this week? Well, it, you know, in this business, it's just what what just happened. You know, it's what's what's happening right now. Uh, you know, we 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 had a nice plane ride home. I know that that was a great feeling. We enjoyed that. You know, I got home, I think, at 2.45 and should have went to bed because I had to be in in about six hours. But I, I sat there and enjoyed it. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I had a cup of cheer and kind of watched all the, the, the scores and everything, too, and enjoyed that because I knew that was my only moments to actually do that because when you get there Sunday, you're back on the film and there's 100 more mistakes you got to correct. And then you start watching the next opponent and they're pretty good. And so uh, we, 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 I thought we played pretty well. Now, considering uh, in the Central Florida game, except we turned the ball over, the ball security was just horrendous, okay? So I really thought we were playing with great passion. I thought we were running the ball well. I thought we were throwing the ball. I thought we dropped some passes. We had penalties and stuff. So that's part of playing. So that means you did play poorly. But now at Georgia State, that was just, there was some issues there. And I, I said that last week that I didn't feel like we came out with the energy. We didn't come out with the passion. That's my fault with the offense part of it, you know, to make sure that they're, they're ready to do that. Um, we had had good practices until Thursday. And then Thursday, our kids, I don't know, some reason we got off track. We didn't have great Friday walkthroughs and I didn't feel like the meetings were good. Uh, you hope that, eh, you know, maybe you'll blow that off and we'll play well. We didn't. Uh, last week, we played really well and, and I, we practiced well. Uh, Wednesday, we did not practice great on offense on Tuesday. We had to address that. We had to really, really uh, get after some people, um, and we had to get it right. We had a great Wednesday practice. Thursday was the best Thursday practice I've ever had in 30-some years. And then Friday and the Saturday morning, the walkthroughs and the meetings, you could tell the kids it, it hit them. They were ready to play. And uh, I thought we played about as well as, you know, you could, you could ask to play. This week, you know, it's a whole new week. Uh, we had a great practice today, you know, so that's all you can go on as a coach. Now what we got to do is have good meetings tomorrow. we got to have good practice tomorrow and hope we're ready to go play. This, this is a tough opponent. You know, defensively, they were phenomenal last year on defense. And I looked down and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They got eight starters back out of 11 from, from last year. I know they got off to a bad start against BYU. Uh, we, we didn't watch that one very much because that's not the same team we're getting ready to play. Coach, with Raji and Keaton, how how much further ahead are they right now compared to your average true freshman running back in terms of just physicality and also understanding some of the stuff? Well, you know, I'd said, you know, I think one of these weeks that, you know, you recruit them and you, you say, well, you know they got talent. You know, if you can judge talent, if you can't judge talent, you, would, you wouldn't be in this business very long. You don't know how quickly, though, they'll they'll – be able to show that and I thought early in you know in Central Florida game that, that both of those guys showed that okay this the stage is not too big and uh, that they're continue to show me that they, they have the, the qualities that good running backs have to have they know they know how to set up blocks they know how to run behind blocks uh, they know how to find the holes uh, they both have good enough speed you know like I say you know Raji's the bus I told you he's, he's the next Jerome Bettis and uh, he's got unbelievable feet. And the thing is, wow, is he fun to be around. You know, a lot of people don't like practice that are probably great players, but he acts like he likes practice. That makes a coach's job so much easier. And also, I think we got a good tandem going there. Uh, you, you never have enough because they get beat up so much. I mean, you know, one guy's getting hit sometimes by six and seven guys out there. 
and uh, they, they get beat up a little bit. So, uh, you know, early in the week, they were really sore. They were really sore. But I thought today they, they were starting to look like they were getting game ready again. Coach, can you talk about Josiah Hatfield? Do you know when he's coming back? Well, this week, I, I expect him to be back. He practiced today. And I thought he looked pretty good today. We've missed him. We, we missed him from the very first game when he got hurt really early. Uh, we really missed him at Georgia State when the game needed somebody to go make a play. And uh, we, we looked like we were slow, and he's our fast guy. And so we needed that. We, we, we missed him. And then last week, he just was not ready uh, to go. We just, you know, a fast guy. If they're not if they're not feeling good in the lower body and they can't run fast, then they're not very good to you. You know what I'm saying? A big guy, he can still be big. You know what I'm saying? He can still take up space. He can still block. Still thinks he can do maybe, but uh, he's a fast guy, so he has to be a guy that feels good. Unfortunately, but today he looked like he felt good. He's catching the ball well, so we got to get him involved in the offense. You know, I know we've, we've talked a lot about, okay, we got to get Snead going, and Snead got going, got to get Blake going. All right, now how are we going to get CJ going? You know, that was the deal last week. I told you we're going to move him around. We're going to do a couple of things. We did do that. You know, we got him on an inside there. Uh, we put the tight end outside. They didn't realize we did. CJ's so big, they probably thought he was the tight end, and they had a uh, safety on him, and that was a mismatch. So we get a 70-yard touchdown pass or so. Uh, we, we, we got him going. Now, he didn't have a lot of catches. But if you get two two touchdowns out of every three catches, we'll, we'll all be pretty good. So now there's still room to get one more guy going, though. You know what I'm saying? They're still there because defenses will take certain things away. And the more weapons you got, then the harder that job is for them. Donnie, how do you guys approach the rest of this week? It sets up to be a cool day on Saturday, but um, do you kind of recharge them for the rest of the week or do you try to go really, really hard? Or what's the approach? Well, the press box is always about 68, and I try to tell them to cool it down a little bit more up there, so it's kind of nice. I'm not too worried about the temperature, but I hear it's going to be a fall-like day. I think our kids kind of like that. I think, you know, we were really concerned in Tampa. We got there. It was 92 degrees when we got off the plane. We were like, oh, you know, that's not very good. It was really hot when we got in the stadium. But luckily, the cool breeze and the humidity wasn't there. We didn't get that rain. And I thought our kids got excited about the, the little bit of the cooler air. So I think we've practiced well when it's been cooler. Uh, so I think they embrace that. So uh, we, we do want to practice hard in this, this program. We're going to practice hard. Uh, that's the culture we're going to go by. But we have had some discussions as coaching staff about the, the team that's freshest will have the best chance to win. And it's going to be a physical game. I, I don't know their offense that well, but I know it's physical. So I know our defense kids want to be fresh. I know that we have to be at our fastest. That could be our advantage against them. So we are, we are being smart. Coaches cut back some of the periods and some of the reps. Uh, now, we're such a young team that, you know, that's not – not as easy or as obvious to do that because you need the reps. They need those practice. They need to see those looks. But uh, uh, we we have definitely cut back a little bit. And I hope it's an early game. That's another big factor. You know, you have a little bit less rest. So you have to maybe dial it back a little bit on Thursday and Friday when you play at noon. Coach, just curious, how are you splitting up those reps at practice this week in the quarterback? You're, you're, you're going to keep going with that until I say something, aren't you? And what you don't realize is the head coach is looking right over my shoulder right now. <laughs> I was just wondering uh, how the here's reps how we do it. We didn't, we, didn't do, we didn't do it any different this week than we always do it. Uh, the first quarterback 
takes the reps with the first offensive line, and then he gets a few of the ones with the two. So we like to do things in six play reps, and then we re-rack it. We kind of do a different couple of different field positions. So the first quarterback takes the first six reps. Then he usually gets about two more, and then the second guy gets four. And then, like, uh, if, 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 it, if it's a scale drill or a team drill, we kind of stay with that a little bit. So uh, the third guy, he has to learn by osmosis. I mean, literally, he, he gets no reps except he gets the individual. And so that's what we always tell the, the number three guy. You know, you have to get all your reps mentally because we'd have to stay out here so long that the offensive lineman would be dead if we rep three quarterbacks. So only two guys get the reps. And the number one guy gets about eight out of every 12. And the other guy gets the four. And the third guy, he gets individual. Okay, one last question. You've been to ECU Victory Dinners now under three different coaches. What does that mean to the program? And how different did it look with COVID this week? Well, COVID is not my favorite thing. I don't think it's, this is anybody's favorite thing. It, it's been a weird year. Uh, it's starting to feel a little more normal since we've been on a little bit of a schedule. The first game, literally, we were in the press box and kind of looking at each other and saying, all right, are we really playing a game or is this like another scrimmage? Because the warm-up felt that way because nobody was there. Uh, uh, so COVID's just been different for everything. Uh, I've been fortunate that we've uh, I've been here and we have had some good wins. Uh, you know, South Florida had been a problem for us. I think we'd only beaten them one time before. And I know we only played them like 11. I was there for that one. That was a good night in Tampa. That was another good plane ride home. So I remember enjoying that. And I think we've got the same little problem with the midshipmen too, that I think we've only beaten them one time. I was fortunate I was there for when we beat them up there at their place. So uh, we've had a lot of good wins here. I, I, I can't wait till we're getting those wins and the crowds here because uh, Dowdy Fickman's a pretty special deal. Greenville's kind of kind of a cool place, like after a winning football game now, you know what I'm saying, on a Saturday. So I'm kind of into those things. But uh, it'll be good if we win this game either way. I'll find a way. You know, it might just be me and Misty there, so that's bad for her, but it'll be good for me. All right. All right. Thanks, Donnie, for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. So that was the press conference with Coach Mike Houston from Wednesday. Um, that, that's when he came on to talk a little bit about COVID. Y'all, y'all heard that. Um, you heard his statement, not giving any names, not not even diving into if it's a key player. They just said they have a uh, they have have a critical issue right now with 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 COVID. Um, but what I did like to see in here was um, Coach Kirkpatrick. I mean, he he was very very upbeat and and funny as usual, um, which helped lighten the mood in, in the press conference, and, and I hope you all enjoyed that. And here's the audio from Coach Houston's press conference on Thursday leading up to the ECU-Navy game. Um, for a statement, and then we'll have questions. Okay. Uh, finish up with Thursday practice. Um, had a good week of practice this week. Uh, guys are excited for Saturday. It's good to be back at home. Uh, really excited that we're going to have 3,500 fans uh, or so here in the stadium Saturday. Uh, it's not uh, 50,000, uh, but it's better than 300. So uh, it'll be good to get some Pirate Faithful back in, uh, back in Daddy Ficklin so they can cheer on 
uh, our group. And uh, obviously we have a uh, very challenging opponent coming in here, but uh, it's the one that we're very, very excited about uh, the matchup with. So should be a good one. Okay, questions for Coach? Coach, I know you don't want to get into specifics about the testing. Right. But can you say if you were least encouraged by the results of Wednesday and kind of what going into tomorrow will be like? Yeah, very encouraged by Wednesday's test. Uh, uh, no positives. So uh, everybody that tested uh, Wednesday was uh, was negative. Um, so that's promising. And then, uh, we know, we got one more round of testing tomorrow morning before uh, everyone makes the decisions. But uh, right now, I would anticipate us uh, being locked in and ready to go at 12 o'clock on Saturday. Coach, would you say at this point that it's a, a contact tracing? Was were some of the earlier in the week issues, or you're not ready? Yeah, to I mean it's, you know, it contact tracing things what's what gets you. I mean we, that that is the problem, uh, and uh, you know I can go into some specifics with that a little bit more uh, after Saturday, but uh, you know that's that's the deal. That's what's getting everybody. I know last week, Coach, you talked about. Keaton Mitchell and, and Raja Harris were really yeah. practice, and that's what kind of what led them to, to carries it. Yeah. How has is, how is that translated over with those running backs? I mean, it, it, they, I guess, continue to, to have good practices. Yeah, they have. They've had, a, they've had a great week. Now, I'll say this. It's, and it reminds me of when I was playing in college. You know, you, you, you go from you know, playing in high school, and then you, you play a little bit. And in that first game, you play a large number of reps. I mean, the next day, you feel like you've been hit by a Mack truck. So now Sunday, they knew they played a college football game on Saturday. And uh, so that was so something that, that they had to get used to, which is the reason why we do some of the things we do on Sunday. Um, but came back, you know, had a really solid week, um, excited about those guys, and they're ready to go on Saturday. Coach, uh, what are your thoughts about Jake Verity becoming the all-time point scored leader in school history? I think I'm glad he's here, glad he plays for my team. Uh, you know, I was talking earlier today to another reporter. It, you know, it, it didn't take long to see the talent that he had. And really, it was probably the middle of the preseason of that first fall last year that, you know, you really started to grasp just how good he could be. Um, and obviously, had a great season for us last year. But, uh, you know, I think he's, he's, a, he's got a special talent. Um, I think he'll have a chance to kick after college. You know, I don't get to make those decisions, but I think he's got that kind of talent. Um, and he's got a really good head on his shoulders, too. Uh, so, uh, thankful he's in our program. He's been a great mentor to our young specialists this, uh, this fall. And so, uh, you know, ho I hope it comes down to him on uh, Saturday. What is the, the timeline like, I guess, in general or, or tomorrow into Saturday? I mean, is it tomorrow afternoon when you would get the, the full go to play? Or when could that maybe, I, I guess, come at some point? Well, I mean, it's each and every week we go through this. And I know that, you know, maybe you know, people are paying a little bit more attention this week. But, um, you know, each Friday morning, both teams will go through the antigen testing, which is a rapid response. We all know that. We get the results back, you know, within 30 minutes or so of the end of the testing. Uh, and then both team doctors get on a conference call uh, with the other physicians around the league and discuss the data. Uh, they take a lot of things into account, not just the, the results of the two teams, but also uh, for this game, it would be some of the data from the surrounding area here. Uh, and they deem the game um, either, you know, a green light, yellow light, or a red light, uh, and then make decisions from there. So it's, 
you know, it's nothing that, uh, you know, John Gilbert or myself or anybody is really involved with. It's all the medical professionals that make the decisions on Saturdays. You kind of touched on it after the USF game, but Penix and Mooney, maybe not totally new roles, but accepting the new, the new guys coming in. It's easier said than done. Can you talk about that and just the no run back? Well, I mean, I think it takes a lot of – it's one of those things, and I've, I've seen a lot of different situations over the years where um, guys did not handle something like that very well. Uh, and when they don't handle it very well, it usually does not go well for them moving forward. Uh, I've seen a lot of situations where guys, just like Darius and Demetrius, where they're handling it well, continue to compete and embracing whatever roles they may have. And usually that usually works out really, really well for those individuals. Um, and it's a deal where, you know, Darius is going to be a huge part of our offense every week. You know, he is, he's going to carry the footballs running back. He is going to, you know, be a receiver out of the backfield. He did a great job for us last week, uh, you know, in the, in the run game as a blocker, in the pass game as a blocker. He also did a great job on special teams. Demetrius, we've talked about a good bit. You know, he battled. He really got behind during preseason camp and early in the season dealing with some issues uh, where he couldn't practice. Um, and he's just now getting, you know, back to be full stride. And so he, did, he had a great game last week on special teams. You know, he's going to be in the rotation possibly this week. So, uh, you know, I just – both those guys have handled themselves just as good as I could ask. And I uh, really appreciate the fact that they're both, uh, they're both here and, and handling things that way. Coach, I wanted to ask you about Josiah Hatfield. Uh, yep. Him coming back. I know with all the speed, yeah. he's a playmaker. I know you got to be happy to finally get him back. Yeah, it was good to see him back. He made a couple of plays today in practice where, you know, you could tell a full speed rep uh, did a great job uh, making some big plays in the secondary. So, uh, you know, excited to have him. Coach, uh, I just wanted to go back to Jake Verity really quick. Uh, what does it mean to you and the rest of the team to have him achieve this record amongst the chaos of the season? Well, I mean, it's, you know, achieving any kind of career record like that um, is a sign of, you know, just outstanding play over a extended period of time. You know, he's he, it's not a one-year thing, a career thing like that it means he's been doing a great job for several years. Um, and certainly, you know, this year has been chaos. It's going to continue to be chaos. Um, and, you know, how that impacts him is, you know, he did not have the training that he typically would have coming into the season. Um, it's he's no different than any of the other guys. They just it's it's hard to replicate what Coach Williams and his staff do for the for the student athletes here. And so, um, you know, for him to still perform at a high level, and he's had some issues. You know, he's had some issues where he's not been at full strength, but he's continued to perform at a very very high level. So, I just think everybody's excited for him, proud of him, and uh, you know, we're fortunate to share the moment with him. How is uh, Robert Hill settling in so far this season? Robert's doing a good job. You know, he's our starting starting short snapper and starting deep snapper, uh, which is what he did at Nevada. And, uh, you know, the, the irony is the fact that he grew up going to uh, to ball games here. His parents lived in Greenville when he was a, uh, a kid. And so, uh, you know, he talks about, you know, his memories uh, being in the stadium in the, in, in the stands. And so now he's on the field playing. So it's a, it's a pretty neat story. But he's doing a great job for us. Any other questions for Coach Houston this afternoon? 
Uh, Coach, just one more question about Jake. Uh, any thoughts on him being named the American Athletic Conference Special Teams Player of the Week? Uh, happy for him. It's a great honor. You know, it's anytime our guys receive, uh, you know, any kind of award from the conference, just really, really proud of them. Coach, you cited good practices coming into the South Florida game, and do you feel like you've had continuity this week in terms of building on that? Yeah, I mean, I think we've had, um, you know, we thought we had some challenges, but I think the kids have really picked up and, uh, and adapted very well, and uh, we've had solid practices this week. Okay, have time that's for one more reason, question. That's the reason I'm excited about Saturday. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks, Coach, for your time. Thanks a lot. But RV, Artie, uh, I almost called you RV. Uh, it's been such a long day for me, man. That that would actually be a first. I don't think I've ever been called RV before. So <laughs> man, I've been called everything under the sun except for that. I, I I'm mush mouth over here. Uh, after after. Hey, hey, look that that makes two of us, Jerry, because I'm tired myself. After after watching my Bravos uh, beat up on the beat up on the Dodgers, I I'm I'm feeling pretty good right now. Um, but. I want to talk about Navy. We got a triple option this week already. Um, that that's really when you talk Navy, that's really all you have to say is triple option. That that's really that's where it starts and that's where it ends is mm-hmm. with with Navy's offense and, and that triple off option. They can they can kill you there. Yeah, I mean, look, Navy, and and we've seen from uh, Ken Niamatololo. And I think I said that right the first time. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, he's built such a good program there. They've been so consistent over the last, you know, better part of the decade, if not over the, the last decade. Um, what he's built there has, has, you know, no other Navy coach has been able to do that in the history of their football program. He is, you know, consistent personified. Now they are kind of having an up and down season so far. They had a loss, a big blowout loss, then followed by a win, then followed by another blowout loss, and followed by a close win. Uh, so this is kind of a season that, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of in uncharted territories. Um, but, you know, getting back to that triple option, you know, we are going to see that heavy and often early and often in this game. Um, but if you're going to have, you know, two coaches that have seen it before, lived, you know, been there, done that, lived it, it would be Houston and it would be, uh, you know, friend of the podcast, Blake Harrell. Um, our guys are going to be ready for it. They're going to be prepared for it. Um, it's all the other stuff that I think their offense is going to try to throw at us that might throw us off gear. And we're going to get into that a little later. But, um, you know, this is the only kind of triple option offense we'll see all season. And and so this is going to be a really, um, you know, primetime game for us as far as our defense to see what they're, what they're made of. Uh, you know, are they going to actually be prepared for this or are they going to get, you know, ramrodded like other teams have gotten by this triple option? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that uh, Navy has ramrodded anybody this year, but. but no, 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 I'm not, I'm not talking about this year. I'm talking about okay. the past. Yeah, ECU has been, uh, as you say, ramrodded in the past by Navy. Uh, they've been bent over backwards by Navy in the past. But, um, yeah, I mean, Coach. Coach Blake Harrell, I mean, he, t- he talked about it in the press conference. Um, I mean, they've been working this triple option. They've been practicing stopping this triple option since the beginning of fall camp. Mm-hmm. This, He said this is the one team that 
that ECU and all teams really have to prepare for throughout the season up until game week. Um, you're, so they're incorporating uh, triple option into into the practices routinely throughout the week, even when it's not Navy week, um, which yeah. is something that I like to see, like to hear that they're making adjustments. And if I, I mean, I have a feeling that if ECU can can shut down or stay tight with Navy in the first half, ECU might have a good shot at winning this ball game because Coach Blake Harrell has shown a – I mean, he's shown that he can go in and make adjustments on defense and come out and, and shut a defense down in the second right. half. That That's the one thing. We haven't seen that in such a long time at East Carolina. You haven't seen a coach that goes into the half and really makes adjustments. Um, you, you saw it a, a lot with Ruff, but um, th- there were definitely times with Ruff that they didn't make adjustments. They, they didn't they didn't fix things, and definitely right. you didn't see that shit with Scotty Montgomery. Scotty Montgomery, hell, I didn't know. I don't know if he even knew what half it was half the time. So that, that, that's. I, I'm, I mean, look, look, Scotty, Scotty, Scotty Mo's a good coach. He's just he's not he's not the right fit for a head coach in my opinion. I think he's a great coordinator, but you know, I don't I don't want to shame Scotty Moe like that. But no, you know, Scott, he, didn't, Scotty, he definitely didn't do the he definitely didn't do the things he needed to at his tenure um at East Carolina. Scotty Moe doesn't know his head from his ass. That I mean that that that's just calling it how I see it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so Artie what Looking at Navy, is there is there somebody that that stands out to you? Um, I know Dalen Morris, the quarterback for Navy. He he's kind of the X factor in this game. I mean, he only threw for two two passes last week, um, but we know he can sling it. I think he has seventeen completions on the year, um, and he and he missed a game. So even with running the triple option, uh, who, who's your X factor? You know, I mean, obviously, it, you know, the, the quarterback. Um, just because, you know, he, he can pass the ball. He's not someone that, that, that can't pass. He can absolutely throw the rock. Um, but, you know, they're, they're receiving court. You know, they've got probably the best receiving court they've had in a very, very long time. And they don't get a lot of, you know, options and a, and a, and a lot of, um, you know, time to, to, to get the ball. But when they do get the ball, they make, they make the most of it. They make, they make plays. So I think they're receiving court. And, and my, my big thing for our defense this weekend is that we can't get low to sleep by the triple option. They're going to run it early. They're going to run it often. But if we can force them into third and five, third and six, third and seven, that's when I think we can make a, a, a big impact because their receivers are going to they're going to want to throw the ball. And we're going to have corners and safeties that might be a little low to sleep. They might be a little tired. They might be a little, you know, not active because they're not really into the game gameplay or the game flow. And so I think their receivers can either hurt us or we can step up to the to the call and shut them down. So I think their their receiving core to me is kind of their X factor as far as going into this game. Yeah, I mean, I I think that yeah, you got to sh- shut down their receivers because that that's how they kill you. They that's how they, they kill you. We talked about this in our uh, in our interview that we have coming up with uh, with Pete Medhurst, the play by play voice of Navy football. I mean, they 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 kind of get at you with the the triple option. They kind of uh, just kind of nickel and dime you, and then when they when they finally catch you sleeping, they hit you for a big crossing play over the middle mm-hmm. and and 
um, and, and they take they take it deep. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, for me, and I and and I just want to talk about the the, the defense for for a second. You know, I think it's going to be important to be a bend but don't break kind of defense. You know, they're going to run the ball. They're going to get first downs. They're going to have they're going to have a lot of you know possessions on off. Well, not a lot of possessions. They're going to have you know the ball. For, for quite a bit of time on offense. I think both of these offense, ECU and Navy, like to hold the ball a little bit, move the ball methodically down the field. And so that's why, you know, I said early in our tweet on, on, on Twitter that offensive, you know, possessions are going to come at a premium in this game. And so as a defense, if we can hold them to field goals and not touchdowns, if we can, you know, once they get into the red zone or even prevent them from getting into the red zone, but once they get into the red zone, be able to stop them on those third downs and have them kicking field goals instead of touchdowns, I think that's going to go a long way. Yeah, I think so too. And um, I, we we break that down a little bit more in our interview with Pete Medhurst. Uh, Artie, let, let's go ahead and send it to that. Let's do it. Our next guest on the Boneyard Podcast is the play-by-play voice of the Naval Academy midshipman. He's also the uh, Nats radio uh, host for the Washington Nationals. So uh, my first question, Pete, uh, how, how, how do you think the Braves are going to do here in the, in the NLCS? Uh, look, as a Nats employee, uh, without question, uh, if there's any other person in Major League Baseball, I would love to see win this thing is Freddie Freeman. There's no better citizen in the game. And really, everybody was so concerned about the Braves pitching until the ninth inning last night. Uh, their pitching had been lights out. I mean, in five of the six games, they'd given up one run or less. So that's how you win in the postseason. And still got to close out the Dodgers, though. Those guys are not going to go away. But, man, the more you beat on them, the more the ghosts of the past have to uh, pop up in L.A.'s mind. So we'll see how the rest of the series goes. Yeah, that that uh that dugout yesterday in the when the Braves were up seven nothing, that dugout the Dodgers dugout looked almost dead um when when I was watching it. But um we, we have you on to talk ECU Navy this weekend. Uh I I wanted to first ask you how how's Navy been handling COVID nineteen aside from not practicing tackling before the season? Uh great. I mean it's a bubble. Uh, literally uh, for us, because there's only 4,400 students. They're all going by the same protocols. So uh, if there's any teams that are likely to be able to handle this, it's Army, Navy, and Air Force because of uh, the small nature of their campus. And uh, obviously the kids uh, up until recently have not even been able to leave campus. They've been getting liberty the last couple of weekends. And so far they've showed a lot of maturity uh, both on and off campus uh, to keep things alive. Uh, for uh, not only this football season, but for the campus itself. So if there are any schools that create a natural bubble, uh, it's clearly uh, Army, Navy, and Air Force. So uh, from that standpoint, uh, so far, so good. Hopefully uh, it can keep going here as uh, this football season continues. Gotcha. Yeah, that's great to hear. And, and Pete, I would, I, would, I would start off by saying, what, is, um, what has been the expectation versus reality uh, for this Navy football program. It's kind of been a, a roller coaster season throughout the first four weeks. You know, it's a loss and a win, a loss and a win. So what's, what's kind of been the expectation versus reality? Well, the expectation is always to win. Uh, that's why we've been as good as we've, as, you know, that's why we've been so good during this triple option era. We just don't have mm-hmm. many losing seasons. We've only had three uh, since Paul Johnson took over back in 2002. That's it. 
Um, so the expectation every week is to win. When they don't win, uh, they look internally as to uh, why they didn't because they take it very seriously. And I think based on the nature of the season, uh, the first result was what it was. Uh, BYU had been practicing, and the mids basically had not, for lack of a better term. Uh, but you throw that one away. They came back, uh, played a great second half against Tulane, uh, and were able to win that game. Air Force, because you don't have Dalen Morris, your quarterback, uh, you're going in and you just don't know what to expect because every kid that's played quarterback this year for the Naval Academy has never played before. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been one of those strange years. Uh, from that standpoint, Air Force was just simply better that day. They just simply got to the line of scrimmage, um, beat you know, knocked us in the mouth, and and we didn't have anything for them. Uh, but it was great to see our kids bounce back because last week was almost a throwback to triple option football for us. Uh, we only threw the ball two times, despite Dalen's great ability to throw the ball, and we simply went to the line of scrimmage, um, you know, and and did the job against a very physical Temple team, which was a great sign after what had occurred uh, in the game uh, against Air Force. Uh, the week before. So, you know, for, for Navy, the expectations uh, never change. It, it's about winning. It's just this year you've had to figure out how to win uh, within the confines uh, of the pandemic. So from that standpoint, preparation has been a little different, but uh, the expectations are always the same in Annapolis. It, it's to win. And if they don't, the, they look very hard as to the reasons why they don't. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ask you about that because I, I, I noticed that I mean, you really only had, what was it, two pass completions last week against Temple. Um, you were able, The academy was still able to pull out the win. Uh, one thing that I've noticed watching Navy over the past couple of years is that they run the triple option, but then the way they kill you is they kill you with the big play over top. Um, how, how can ECU stop that big play? Uh, the, the biggest thing that allows those big plays – are eye discipline of the defense. You know, everybody gets, uh, you know, so in, enamored with running up to the line of scrimmage uh, to take the fullback and uh, take uh, the quarterback or the running back. Everybody wants to get up there and aggressive. You know, last week, Temple had 11 guys within seven yards of the line of scrimmage. We still uh, were able to uh, run the football uh, incredibly effectively in all facets uh, with the uh, slot backs and with the fullbacks. Fullbacks ran for 152 yards. Uh, in the game. So uh, from that standpoint, you know, it's about man on man. But as we've always done in the past, as soon as people start creeping up and, and get all those 11 guys up within seven yards of the line of scrimmage, I mean, we have uh, the best wide receiver core we've ever had here at the Naval Academy right now. Uh, speed, size, guys that can go get the ball uh, in all facets. And we saw that against Tulane. And last week, we didn't necessarily have to do it because we continued to run the ball very effectively. But uh, we know at times people are going to just stack that box as tight as possible. And uh, Dalen Morris is a quarterback that can flat out throw it. We've got uh, a bunch of wide receivers now um, that are effective at going to get it. Michael Cooper and Mark Walker, um, maybe not necessarily on the Marquez Stevenson level uh, of Houston, but those guys are as good as anybody else in terms of catching the ball uh, in the American Athletic Conference, and they showed that against Tulane. Got you. And, and Pete, what, what intrigues you the most about this matchup with uh, the Naval Academy and ECU this weekend? I mean, look, we've, for lack of a better term, we've had ECU's number for a long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, we hung, we hung a lot of points up a couple times down at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. I believe, though, the East Carolina product is a lot better uh, under Mike Houston. They are making um, 
you know, in- incremental ground up. Uh, a tremendous win last week against South Florida. South Florida team that, my gosh, has been tested uh, early in the season. Uh, so you knew you, you knew you had a South Florida team uh, that had been battle tested against good people, and, and ECU went there and got a great win. And, and I've tried to tell people all along, um, you know, people have had to be patient with Mike down there in Greenville because what he took over uh, was criminal uh, because that's a program that has been so good and reasonably consistent at being good in the past. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, letting go of Ruffin McNeil the way they did was one of the worst pieces of athletic administration I've ever observed. And Mike took over a cupboard that had just probably as bare as East Carolina's ever had, maybe since its inception. And seeing what he's doing, you know, in terms of rebuilding this, um, they they look like a team that is being coached. They look much more organized out there. Uh, they look much better prepared to play. And you know, at some point, and maybe it's a game like last week. Um, maybe it's a game like last week that you know gets that light bulb on and keeps it on for them because they've got people. Uh, Mike's coaching staff uh, is doing a terrific job. You can see the difference from when he took over to where they are. Uh, right now and you know uh, I think this is going to be I think it's going to be an interesting game for us because like you said we've been up and down Uh, what to expect from us uh, from week to week Uh, this is the first year I've told people I usually have a a pretty good beat on our team as to where we are and how we're going to play I've never been I've never been without feel because you know normally we're allowed to go watch practice uh, anytime we want we can't do that this year because of the pandemic uh, so you're not seeing things during the week that you would go, yeah, this this group's dialed in. They're ready. Um, you know, so I, I have no idea what to expect from us. But I know from watching the tape, ECU's a heck of a lot better. And as we know, you know, Holt Nailers is a guy that on any given day uh, can flat out uh, cut it loose. And, and it's an offense that can put up some numbers. And last week uh, they did that. And I don't even think they were – I don't even think that was their best game last week, and they still hung 44 on South Florida. And to me, that's the scary thing about East Carolina. You know it's a group that's getting better and better. And like I said, Mike's a terrific football coach, and as long as the people have patience down there to let him continue to fortify that roster and develop players, and I think that's the one thing he did at James Madison so well. And sure, at the 1AA level, um, you know, you get some D1 transfers that come down and everything. But if you look deep into what Mike did there with his staff, that group developed players, and that is how you win consistently in college football. As your players exit, you have other players that are ready to step in and continue on uh, the culture uh, of winning football. And and I think as people will see that Mike and his staff will continue to develop these guys, uh, and they're going to be they're going to be right back to where they were uh, certainly under Coach McNeil at one point. Um, I still miss going into the Walmart. Uh, and seeing the life size, uh, you know, <laughs> cut out of rough hanging from the ceiling. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, if somehow I could have gotten that, I would have taken it. If, I, if I'd have known they were going to do what they did, I'd have been at the Walmart the next day and say, hey, can I can I cut that down and take that home? Because uh, Omar Nelson, who used to do the color with me, he's now working uh, in the recruiting department for Navy. Uh, we love Coach McNeil. And, um, you know, that was a guy that was bleeding ECU through and through. And uh, we hated to see him go. But uh, I think Mike is good. Mike already has them on the right track back to uh, not only respectability, but again, I think he's eventually going to have them being a factor 
uh, in the American Athletic Conference. People don't realize how good this league is. And when you when right. you were as far down as ECU was, it's hard to climb out of that kind of hole. Uh, but Navy did it two years ago. We won three games, and then last year we won 11. So um, it can be done, and I think as long as people have uh, you know, patience with Mike and his staff, they're going to get it done there. I really, I really truly believe that. Yeah. And you, you talk, you talk about coach Houston. Another coach I want to talk about is coach Blake Harrell. Um, coach Houston and coach Blake Harrell, friend of the podcast has, uh, they've both played with a triple option offense in the past. So they, they know so much about the triple option. Do you think that's a factor at all going into this game? Sure. It is. Uh, I mean, a lot of times we get people, uh, that have never played against it, so they don't know how to coach against it, uh, quite frankly. Um, you know, Blake obviously was at Kennesaw State. That's where Brian Newberry was, our defensive coordinator. Uh, obviously, time at the Citadel uh, as well. So, you know, uh, being familiar with it is 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 just A, number one. Now, the the obvious thing, too, is, is when you prepare for it, you have to have a scout team that has um, a clue – uh, as to what to do in terms of showing your defense uh, the the proper look, so that's always you know key for teams that are trying to prepare for Navy. But no question, when you have people who have coached against it and been around it, they at least understand it and understand all the facets of the offense. There are so many intricacies that you have to uh, you know coach your defense to be prepared for. And in this case, when you have familiarity with it. Uh, that's job number one. That means you at least know what you're talking about, and you have credibility when you're trying to coach your kids uh, as to how to stop it. Got you. Got and do you. Go ahead, oh, go ahead. No, go I was just going to say, do you do you see uh, this game being a high scoring affair, or do you think the the tempo in which Navy plays is kind of going to slow this thing down? It's going to be a close game throughout. Well, I, I think again, I think sometimes people people misinterpret the tempo in which we play. I mean. You, you go back through the years, and look, we've had some three- and four-play drives because we get those explosive plays uh, a lot over the top. So mm-hmm. um, now last week was a different cat. We we held on to the ball last week. We had a big time of possession advantage in that contest, and and clearly that's what our bread and butter is. We're still going to run the football. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not coming to the line of scrimmage and going to try and fool you and, you know, spread you out with uh, air raid-type tendencies, but – you know, we're still going to try and run the football. There's no question. So what it does is when you reduce the amount of possessions in a game, it puts so much pressure on the other team's offense to execute at a high level every possession. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if we do, if we finish drives and score touchdowns, you don't know how many times you're going to have the ball during the course of the contest. Last week, each team had the ball one time in the first quarter, and Temple's first possession carried over into the second quarter uh, because we had a a, a nine-plus-minute drive uh, to start the game. So what it does is it puts a lot of pressure on the other team's offense to execute uh, when they have it. Uh, sometimes they go a little out of personality and go for it on fourth down situations that might be a little bit longer uh, than normal because they fear they may not get the football back, especially if they're in plus territory. Um, and that means uh, from the 50-yard line on in, if they're in plus territory and it's fourth and five, they may be more likely to go for it as opposed to a fourth and one or fourth and two because they realize we may not have the ball in plus territory many times, so sometimes they take that chance uh, in plus territory that they might not normally take uh, during the course of a football game. Yeah, and I, I wanted to – I know we're running short on time, uh, Pete, but I want to ask you real quick about uh, Coach Ken 
me and Montalolo, I I'm I actually got it right on the first try. I'm I'm actually surprised <laughs> by that. I'm proud um, of you, dude. <laughs> Uh, he, he's been arguably the most consistent and successful coach in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, what makes him, what about him makes him so special? And what's his, what's, what's that it factor for Coach Ken? As I've said to everybody uh, when they ask me that question, uh, he's the greatest leader of people I have ever met. Um, I, I said when BYU didn't hire him, when Arizona didn't hire him, uh, those were two huge mistakes by those administrations. Now, Kalani Sataki has BYU in a pretty good spot this year, so that's you know it's taken them a while, but that started to work out for them. Uh, Arizona, you know, let Khalil Tate essentially publicly on Twitter talk them out of hiring him, and I think it's I think it's going to hurt the Arizona program for a while uh, because Ken is the greatest leader of people I have ever met. He's as genuine a guy when he walks into a kid's living room. Uh, and tells their parents, hey, this is what our program is all about, and this is what I'm going to demand of your uh, of your student-athlete when they get here. But, you know, when they leave here, they're going to be better people, and you can't help but be a better person. I've become a better person just being around uh, Ken Niamatololo and the things that um, he demands of his team uh, and the leadership that he exudes. And uh, football coaches – nationwide no x's and o's i mean there are a lot of guys that know x's and o's uh but kenny has that trait that special trait of leading people and being able to lead them uh you know under much more difficult circumstances at navy there's a window in the afternoon for practice basically depending on when kids last period ends you've got a window between 2 33 o'clock and 5 36 o'clock where they have to get everything in. It's not like, I mean, I, I was reading before the Tulane game where um, they had one day because of the storm, they couldn't practice in the morning, so they had to practice in the afternoon. Well, Kenny doesn't have that option. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have the option to practice at eight in the morning or nine in the morning like uh, some other teams do, and kids have mm -hmm. all day to recover and stuff like that. He's got this little tiny window in the afternoon. He and his staff have to get business done, and they've done it consistently. They've done it at an incredibly high level. They've never lowered the standards uh, of the academy in which to do it. And that's the extraordinary thing about, you know, you go back and look at Navy's football history. They've never had a run like this, like they've had in the triple option era. And it's because of tremendous leadership at the top with our athletic director, Chet Gladchuk, uh, you know, all the way down uh, through first coach Paul Johnson and obviously now uh, coach Kenny Amatololo and their respective staffs. Those staffs have stayed here in many cases. We've had great continuity on our coaching staff uh, so far. And that also, when people people want to come to work, they don't want to leave. <laughs> you know, yeah. when they when they when they work for people they like working for, uh, and they work in a great culture, they don't want to leave that culture. And we've been blessed, uh, but that's because uh, Kenny, uh, you know, starts it at the top. And uh, success or failure of any organization, I don't care what business you're in, uh, it all starts at the top. If if the person at the top uh, is credible, uh, is a great leader, is believable. Um, then those people are going to lead you in a positive direction and you're going to get positive results out of your people. Yeah. And one last question. I know you got to go. What, what can ECU do to win this game? First thing to me would be a, not turn the ball over. Um, and I, I think again, you know, you've got guys like Prohl and Sneed, um, you know, Johnson. I mean, these are all people that can, can make big plays, and if they can get a couple of explosive plays, they're going to have to knock Navy back on their heels a little bit. And again, like I said, I mean, 
you know, Holt Naylor's, uh, you know, right now, 57% clip probably has to go a little bit better uh, than that uh, this week. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I mean, you know, people have been able to run the ball a little bit on us. Uh, so I think that's another area where if East Carolina can kind of, you know, turn the tide on Navy a little bit and hold the ball uh, some uh, and keep it away from Navy's offense, I don't doubt Navy will move the football. Uh, I think the two games against American Athletic Competition uh, so far have shown the ability uh, in which to do that. But look, I mean, like I said, East Carolina now is starting again to have the kind of people you need to beat people in the American Athletic Conference. This is a great conference. There's no question we're as good as uh, a lot of Power Five teams. Our teams in the American prove it uh, on a week-to-week basis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ECU's got people. You don't do to South Florida what they did last week without material. And they've got the kind of material um, to now, I think, compete with Navy. Uh, and, and we'll see what happens coming up uh, this week. All right. Well, Pete, I, I know you got to go. I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast. Absolutely. And, uh, and uh, wish wish Navy all the best of luck after they play the Pirates this weekend. Appreciate it, guys. And I, look, I mean, we're unfortunately, we are not traveling this year, so we're broadcasting the game from back in Annapolis. There are two places in the American Athletic Conference that you must go to cover a game, Memphis and East Carolina, because they are 1 and 1A in terms of press box food. There's no one better <laughs> in all of college football, and we're going to miss that this week. But uh, we always love coming to Greenville. It's a great place. Our fans always show up, and your fans are always uh, unbelievably hospitable. Uh, and I know we're going to miss that uh, this year uh, because East, East Carolina has always been a great place uh, for us to go. I know that. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a bite for you. All right, Pete. Please do. All right. <laughs> all right. Take care, Pete. You guys thank have a good you. week. Appreciate you. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Take care. You too. All right. So once again, that was our our interview with Pete Medhurst, uh, play-by-play voice of the Navy, the Naval Academy. Geez, um, it's already twelve thirty, and we're not even halfway through recording. Um, so <laughs> please bear with us, folks. Uh, but yeah, it. He, I mean, we. I think that was a good conversation that we had. He he really brought some insight into what's going on with Navy football, um, a team that. Um, even even when they got blown out by 50 points or, or so at, I think it was 55 points against BYU. Um, even after that, like yeah, we said okay that ga- that game just got a little more winnable, but that's still that's still a tough team, man. Um, and, and Pete Medhurst broke that down for us. Yeah, I mean I, he did a really good job of also you know talking about Coach Ken. I mean he he's going to have this Navy football team ready. If anything, Navy's going to be disciplined. They're going to be ready to play. Now, I know week one they were not ready to play, and that's because they didn't practice tackling. And I, I still don't understand how you, you know, can, can coach a football team and, you know, think it's okay to not practice tackling. But I would say outside of that blowout loss to BYU week one, um, they're, they're going to be dialed in. They're going to be ready to play. And, and Coach Ken is going to have his team ready to go. So we, you know, on the other side have to be ready to go as well. So I think he did a great job of breaking that down. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I I'm I don't know talking to him I, I know that um I, I know at one point he was talking about how he 
he thinks that Navy will win this game handedly. Um, he also, I mean, he's he says it's going to be a tight game, but he he, right. he he fully expects Navy to win this game, and, and I I get that, I get that, but right, I I, I think I think Navy may or Na- naval the Naval Academy fans, I think they might actually be underestimating what we can be doing or what we can do this weekend. And on and on the flip side, I mean, they have every right to think that they're going to come into Dolly Ficklin and beat us. They're six and one all time in the series. And a lot of those games have not been close, Jared. They, they just really have it. And so they, they, you know, from a, from a Navy perspective, yeah, they, they are going to feel like they're going to come in here and win this game. And they probably feel like they're going to win it handedly. Um, the problem with that is, is that they're going to face an ECU team that's going to be up for the task, in my opinion. And uh, it, this is going to be a close game. And like I said, um, you know, offensive possessions, I think, there's gonna, I think you're going to see six or seven offensive possessions from each side at max, um, maybe even five or six. So I mean, it, this is going to be a close game, and ECU is going to be up for the task. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited for it. I, th- I think this will be the real, the first true like benchmark. I mean, UCF that everybody knew what was, everybody kind of knew what was going to happen there. Um, yeah, Georgia State, that's a tough loss. You learn from it. You you move on, and then you have USF who ECU beats and. Honestly, beats handedly. We haven't seen a win like that in such a long time. Um, coming for the Pirates, that um, you're like, oh wow, like that, that that was pretty good. But then you remember that USF is probably the worst team in the conference this year. They're they're the new UConn. But that's a game where you get your footing, especially after coming off an embarrassing loss. I'm 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 just going to be all the way honest with you. Losing to Georgia State the way we lost was embarrassing, and so to be able to bounce back. And to be able to have the re- resilience that we had, I mean, I know we played a bad team, but it doesn't matter. We still went into South Florida. We won that game by 20. And that's a game where you get your footing, you get some confidence going into the next week, and you go into the next game saying, okay, we got a win under our belt. We got a win in conference. We can do this. We can actually hang. And so I, I, I think the way in which we won last week set us up for success for this week. Yeah, I, I would agree, and I I think, like we like we were talking about earlier, I think that if we can stop that triple option, and I know the coaches of the coaching staff has really focused on that, um, I, I really think that we might we might have a shot to to really hold them and stop them on on third and long and keep them from getting that four, to fourth and five, and because right. that that that's where that's where they kill you, that that's yeah, where they. And, and- that's where they get you, and they they get you in their sights, and they step on your throat by getting you to, or by converting a fourth down and keeping your right. defense on on the field. And 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 the keys defensively, first and second down belong to the front seven. We know they're going to want to run the ball, run that triple option on first and second down, and they're going to want to get a lot of yards on first and second down. That's that's kind of what their bread and butter is. They want to get five to six yards on first down, get another four to five yards on second down boom, there you go, they've moved the chains. The front seven has to be able to get tackles for loss, get a few sacks, limit them to one or two yards per, per run, three to four yards at max, and then force a third and five, third and six, third and seven. Third down is going to belong to our corners and safeties to step up. So first and second down, I, I would say, is going to be the front seven. Third down belongs to the corners and safeties. That's To me, that's, that's, that's the game plan going, going forward in this game. Yeah, I fully agree, and uh... – I, I I gotta say, Artie, um, uh, I think we should just go ahead and send it over 
to our interview with Mitchell Northam. Uh, I, I thought that was an interesting interview um, that, that we had with him mm-hmm. where, where we were able to break down some of the history and some of the, the tradition with the Naval Academy, but also talk uh, Navy ECU. Well, going into the interview, what did you think? Um, I mean, going into it, I was I was excited because I was I was kind of excited to hear the perspective of what it's like to be a midshipman. You know, I've I've always been kind of um, you know enthralled with 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 that kind of lifestyle. Like, how can you go to school and also be a D1 football player and then also get ready to to serve your country? Because a lot of these guys, you know, college football is it. You know, you got a few Navy guys in the, in, in the league, but they still have to serve their country you know, after they finished school. And so I thought it was very interesting to get that perspective of what it's like to be at a service academy. Yeah. So with that, uh, let's send it to our interview with, uh, with Mitchell Northam from against all enemies, uh, SB nation. Our next guest on the Boneyard podcast this week, he's, uh, he comes to us from SB nation. Uh, he writes for all against all enemies. Oh, almost butchered that one, Artie. Um, but he comes from against all enemies. Uh, he's been writing for them for three years. He's now the site manager there. Uh, Mitchell Northam, uh, how, how's it going, man? Good. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, the pleasure is all ours. So, um, ECU mm-hmm. plays ECU plays Navy this weekend, and uh, uh, we we just got an update. They're going to play on ESPN two. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I actually just saw that. I didn't. I didn't notice that until like just now. <laughs> yeah, so they're going to play on ESPN too. Uh, but I, I wanted to kind of get your take, uh, just real quick. Navy football, in a nutshell, what what does it mean to you, and what what does it mean to the university? Yeah, for me, um, you know, I, I didn't go to the academy, but my my dad was in the Navy for twenty years, um, and uh, you know, so. Growing up in Maryland, you know, the Terps really weren't that good. Um, so I didn't really have a, uh, um, you know, an allegiance to a college football team. Um, it was just, you know, every every November or December um, in my house, it was, you know, cheering for Navy to beat Army. Um, and then kind of as I got older, got a little bit more, became a little bit more of a fan of, of Navy. Um, and then, you know, when I was working for a smaller newspaper up in Maryland, got the chance to cover them for a season and then, um, you know, got hooked up with SB Nation a few years back to cover them now. Um, Navy football, I mean, they're, you know, Navy football in a nutshell, um, since Paul Johnson came into the picture, oh, uh, almost two decades ago, um, has been, you know, the triple option. Um, you know, it's it's what they'll always run. It's evolved a little bit, you know, since Ken Niamatololo took the reins um, and Ivan Jasper's been running the offense there. But uh, it's, it's still the bread and butter. Um, you know, this year, I think a lot of people were expecting them to kind of pass a little bit more with Dalen Morris under center. Um, but, you know, last week against Temple, they won that game only passing two times. So still very much a, a you know, a run first football team um, and a football team that that has always been consistently competitive. Um, you know, there was a couple seasons, you know, a few years ago, kind of right before. Malcolm Perry came into the picture um, where Navy, I think, had back-to-back losing seasons. Um, but other than that, I mean, they've been pretty consistently um, had winning records and been in the bowl picture um, since Ken Niamatolo took over the head coaching duties. Um, so, you know, for the past 10 years, they, they've been a team that's kind of 
appeared in the top 25 every now and then and is always a tough a tough out for anybody um not only just because of the triple option but because you know they they have a good coaching staff and um always just have some talented players i mean they've produced a couple of nfl players in the past couple of years which defensive scheme wise you're gonna see you know four two five brian newberry is in his second year as as the defensive coordinator there so you'll see four down linemen um two linebackers five defensive backs um, and Navy uses a position called a striker, which is kind of a hybrid between a linebacker and a safety that sort of roams the field and, and usually blitzes pretty often. Um, really, it's a defense that, that tries to use some unpredictable and kind of crazy blitzes to create chaos and create opportunities and create turnovers. Um, this year, the defense has been not as good as it was last year. Um, last year, the defense was really one of the strengths of the team. Um, they had a couple transfers, you know, leave the unit. But this year they did still bring back um, Diego Fago, um, who's probably one of the best linebackers in the country and, and a legit NFL prospect. Um, but he got banged up against Air Force and did not play last week against Temple. Um, I think his status is still kind of unknown for this week. Um, and there's a couple, couple other injuries that Navy's dealing with on the defensive side. Um, so, you know, earlier I was talking about uh, how important this game is just for – continuity sake you know can navy win two games in a row um it's also just going to be a check for for the navy defense like can they step up and and you know do some good things against east carolina on saturday um you know if if they can that's that's going to be a good point for them going forward to give them some confidence yeah and uh coach newberry the defensive coordinator at navy uh actually pretty good friends with uh friend of the podcast, Coach Blake Harrell, uh, defensive coordinator for ECU. Um, do you, what What do you think that relationship uh, with Blake Harrell knowing the triple option, uh, coming from a school that used to run the triple option, do you think that really plays a, a big part in stopping the triple option? No, just yeah, it, it? You know, it could. Um, yeah, I think Newberry said on his Zoom, Zoom call the other day that uh, he, he knows um, – Blake pretty well. Um, you know, Blake, I think, succeeded Newberry as the defensive coordinator at Kennesaw State, right? Um, and right, Blake yep. was also at the Citadel before, and, and they run a triple option scheme as well. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, just seeing the option, you know, just seeing the triple option that much, um, you know, in your years of coaching experience, I think that can only help you in, you know, developing a scheme that can that can contain it or stop it. Um and I'm sure that he's probably looked at, at the tape that, that Air Force um, and BYU, you know, the success that they had this year in stopping Navy's triple option. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that that, that probably helps ECU's chances of, of winning this game. And, you know, Mitchell, what's, what's your overall uh, feeling about this game this weekend? And what is it going to take for Navy to get a win? Uh, in this game. Yeah, I think um, it, it's just going to take Navy to be consistent. Um, I, I feel, I, I think I feel pretty good about the midshipmen going into this game. Um, you know, Dalen Morris had to miss the game against Air Force, but he played well against uh, last week. Uh, hopefully he plays well again this week. I think that's what Navy just needs right now. They need some consistency and continuity, and, and hopefully they can build off of that Temple game, like I said, where the fullbacks played really well. Um, and the rushing attack was very efficient. Um, so if they come out and, and the rushing game is is good going early, um, I think that'll be a good sign. 
Um, you know, the defense last week could have been better, but they they stepped up when they needed to. You know, they, they broke up that pass on a point conversion that Temple was trying to go for to tie the game up late. So yeah, so I, I think for Navy the key is just going to be can they can they get going early? Can they build some confidence and consistency? And yeah, I think they have a good shot to beat ECU this weekend. I think Navy is favored in this game. I think ECU's a road dog. Is that right? Yeah, yep. ECU's. ECU's. I think right right now. Last time I saw it, ECU was a right. two and a half point dog. Yeah. Um. So I, I think that's probably about right. I think it could be a close game. Um. But I think Navy can, Navy will pull the one out in the end. I, I I feel pretty good about Navy winning in this game. Um. But, uh, you know, ECU's coming off, uh, you know, a good game as well. So they're going to be looking to build some confidence and consistency as well. This is an important game for them too. Yeah, and th- this is the last question I really have. I, I like I like to ask a question about uh, about the players on the team, maybe some of the lesser-known guys, not not the guys that m- make the highlight reels, though. Can, can you tell me about, like, Maybe some some guys that are maybe underrated on on the midshipmen. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, last week, you know, Terrell Adams kind of had a breakout game. He's a guy who really had not gotten a lot of playing time before last week. Um, he's a sophomore linebacker, was making his first start in his collegiate career, um, and he came up and had a team high nine tackles and broke up that two point conversion that would have tied the game up. Temple. Um, so he's a guy, you know, if Navy is going to have some more injuries and stuff um, on defense, if they're still going to have some guys out, he could be another player that steps in um, and it'll be a big game for him. If he gets his second start, he'll want to, you know, start to prove himself and, and maybe put himself in contention for a long-term starting job um, on special teams. You know, I think that uh, Navy's kicker has proven to be, you know, one of the best in the country, um, Bajan Nichols. Um, he's a guy who, you know, last week had a 50 yarder. Um, I think he's three for four this year on field goals, you know, hasn't missed an extra point, but he's hit some really big kicks. I mean, um, he had a walk-off field goal against Tulane, um, and and last year had a couple of big ones as well. Um, so in the kicking game, you know, Navy's got a pretty good, pretty good leg there. Um, and then on offense, I I think a guy who, you know, really has some game breaking speed and some playmaking ability, is Chance Warren. Um, he really hasn't had a chance to shine this year. Um, he's played a little receiver. He's played a little slot back. Um, early on in camp this year, they they gave him a shot at, uh, at quarterback, um, but opted to move him to slot back because they had, had some knees there. But um, like I said, he's a really, <clears throat> really talented um, skill position player, you know, who has good speed, good hands. Um, he did score a touchdown last week, but he just got, you know, three touches, 15 yards. Um, so, yeah, I think he's a guy who, given the opportunity, um, could, could make some big plays. All right. Well, uh, that, that's all that I have. Artie, do you have any other questions? Yeah, no, that was, that was all I had. All right. Well, Mitchell, I, I want to thank you again for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast. Uh, we – we wish you all the best. Are, are you traveling down to Greenville actually, for, for this game? Um, I actually live in um, North Carolina. Um, I, I moved here about two years ago. So, yeah, ECU is just a hop, skip, and a jump away from me. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to ride over okay. uh, to Greenville on Saturday and, and uh, check it out.
Okay. And where where, where did you say you were living in, in, in North Carolina? Yep. Okay. All right. Are, are you going to be so, in the press yeah. box or no? All right. Well, we'll, we'll have to meet up and, yeah. and actually meet in person then. Um, but, yeah, once again, Mitchell, thank, thank you for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast. Uh, it, it was a real pleasure talking to you and learning more a little a little more about Navy and, and the history, but also uh, the, the football team that ECU will see on on Saturday at, at noon on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus, or if you're mm-hmm. one of the lucky 3,000 fans in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Once again, Mitchell, thank you right, for, uh, for joining yeah, us. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. It's another just measure of kind of the success they've had recently under Ken Niamatololo. Um, and just kind of leading up into this game, you know, this is an important one because it's kind of been a weird start to the season for Navy. They're 2-2, two and two, um, but they're 2-0 and oh in American play. Um, but they started the season getting blown out by BYU, bounced back against uh, Tulane down there in New Orleans. Um, then they got blown out by Air Force, and they bounced back last week against Temple. So, um, it's kind of been a Jekyll and Hyde Navy, um, so we'll see if they can win two games in a row. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say this week against ECU is is uh, an important game for them. Yeah, and, and, and Mitchell, in, in, in your own words, um, how would you describe what life is like for a midshipman football player? Because not only are they going to school and not only are they playing Division One football, but they're also gearing up to to serve their country. And so that's three facets that, you know, other – players around the country don't have to deal with. So how would you describe what that's like? Oh, yeah, it's it's extremely difficult for a lot of the athletes that go to service academies. Um, you know, <clears throat> he's talking about you know, every, every day these guys have a very, um, you know, strict and regimented schedule um, when it comes to, you know, the level of classes that they're taking. Um, he's talking about, like, you know, warfare stuff and, um, you know, mm-hmm. science classes. You know, it depends on what your major is, but – um, just very difficult classes, you know, to get into the academy, you got to have really, really, really good grades. Um, you know, they, <clears throat> there's, there's all the football stuff that's on top of it. I mean, even, even for just a regular student at a service academy, your schedule is pretty booked. Um, and then when you add in all the stuff that, that a college athlete has to go through, um, you know, it's, it's, it's more than a full-time job. Um, so yeah, these, all these guys, um, I think that's one of the reasons why it was so important um, for the athletic directors of Army and Navy, you know, before we even knew there was going to be a college football season, both of them kind of came out and they were adamant about, you know, wanting to play at least the Army Navy game this year. Um, Because for a lot of these guys, it's, that's the last football game they'll ever play. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of these guys don't go on to the NFL. Um, They don't go on to, you know, any kind of athletic career after this, they, you know, that's the last football game they ever play. Then they go and serve their country um, if they're seniors. So I, I think that's why it was so important for um, them to get that game scheduled this year. Right. And I, that, when I, when I think Navy, when I think army um, and to some extent, even air force, um, I, I mean, I, I think about the history, I think about tradition um, Commander in Chief Trophy. Uh, I think about all of that. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about like the tradition at at the service academies at, at Navy? Uh, yeah, I, you know, um, like I said, I didn't go to a service academy, so I don't 
I don't know about, you know, kind of all the ins and outs X's and O's of tradition, but I can tell you that, you know, for Army, Navy, and Air Force, <clears throat> you know, every year, um, they could go, you know, they can win two games. And as long as those two games are wins against the other two service academies, you know, in their mind and everybody else's, um, it's a it's a successful season. Um, you know, those, those games mean more than anything else, um, especially – for Navy and Army, it's especially so against each other. Um, I, I think Army and, and Navy a lot of times sort of treat Air Force uh, kind of like the redheaded stepchild of the service academies um, <laughs> over there in Colorado Springs and whatever. But at the same time, Air Force has won um, you know, a lot of CIC trophies in, in, in the past few years. Um, and Navy pretty good, as we saw you know two weeks ago. So um, you know, they, they have their stake in this as well. Now, it's a little bit different for Navy and Air Force now because they are in conferences, so they do want to compete for those conference championships. Um, as far as Army goes, um, I think as, as long as they're as long as they beat Navy and Air Force, um, it's a successful season for the Black Knights. Um, so yeah, well, I think when you boil it down, um, that these are two schools that, that really value you know those rivalries, those service academy games. Um, and those traditions, I think even for Navy, there's traditions beyond the service academy games. There was a lot of people who were really upset um, that they couldn't play against Notre Dame this year. Notre Dame joined the ACC, and because of the ACC's kind of scheduling mechanisms, couldn't play certain out-of-conference games. Um, so for the first time since, I don't know, sometime in 1920, um, Navy and Notre Dame did not play that game. It's the longest basically the longest rivalry in football where the two teams weren't in the same conference. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, and that meant a lot because, you know, that, that rivalry was kind of built on, um, you know, Navy basically saving Notre Dame um, when they were in financial trouble um, so many years ago. Um, and because of that, they've played every year since. Um, and sometimes that game has been a blowout and sometimes it's been close, but nonetheless, it, it's a tradition that a lot of people care about. Um, so, you know, like I said, about a month or two ago when that game was canceled and a lot of people were upset. I think that sort of speaks to how, how much tradition is valued by, you know, folks who root for Navy and, and folks who, who have gone to school there. Yeah. And that, that actually, that uh, this question came to me uh, after you mentioned that I know that there's been a lot of talks about conference realignment um, over the past year or so um, conferences are, are set to realign again in the next four years or so um what what are your thoughts about army possibly joining the american athletic conference yeah so that's been something that people have talked about um a couple of times um over the past few years you know army was in conference usa um about 20 years ago um late 90s early 2000s and it just didn't go well for them um they weren't competitive um they had a lot of losing seasons um, it just wasn't something, like I said, that, that worked out for them. Um, if I don't, I don't think that army is going to join a conference simply because I think whether or not you join a conference kind of just depends on what your athletic philosophy is. Um, so when it comes to football, they're an independent there. They play all their other sports in the Patriot league for the most part. Um, but I think when it comes to football, like I said before, for the most part, they just care about beating Navy and Air Force. And, you know, they want to be in a good bowl game every couple of years. So that means, you know, seven wins on the season. 
Um, and Air Forces, or I mean, Army is able to kind of stack their schedule in a way where it's pretty favorable. Um, you know, they usually play two F- F- FCS teams a year. Um, they usually play other FBS teams that are local to them, um, teams that are in the MAC, or they'll play, you know, UMass, which is another independent up there. Um, they were supposed to play UConn, I think, this year or next year. Um, so I think, you know, just what I've seen kind of the past couple of years, I don't think that Army will join a conference. If they did, I think it will be more likely that they would join the MAC just because it's those are teams that are more geographically closer to them and teams, I think, that are more on a level with them. Um, I, I don't know that Army could consistently compete in the American the same way that Navy has. Um, and I don't know that Army and Navy would really want to be in the same conference, um, to be honest. Um, I, I think a lot of people have pushed back on that. So if I had to put money on it, I would say that Army does not join a conference within the next five years or whatever. Um, if I was going to bet on, you know, some kind of long shot thing on them joining a conference, I would say it would be the Mac if the Mac was looking to add a member or something. Got you. And, you know, Mitchell, getting back to the, the game this weekend, if Navy's able to win this game, they'll go to three and zero in conference three and two overall. Um, how do you feel about their chances to compete with the big boys up top? You know, you got Memphis, you got Cincinnati ranked in the top 10, you got SMU ranked. You still got UCF out there. How do you feel about Navy's chances to to you know compete with the big boys up top if they're able to win this game this weekend? Yeah, I, I think them winning this game this weekend, like I said, is important just because it's time to find out kind of what this Navy team is about. Yeah, they're two and two, but they've been kind of you know it's been a one, one win, one loss, one win, one loss, and both of the losses were really bad. Um, and the one win was a big come from behind, and last week against Temple was very close. They won by just two points. Um, So I think for the most part, Navy is probably going to be a middle of the pack American athletic conference team this year. I don't think, you know, I I don't think they could beat Cincinnati in the title game, for example. I don't think they could play. Mm -hmm. I don't think they can hang with SMU. Um, I don't know that they could even hang with UCF um, or Memphis. Uh, We'll see. Um, But I think it's more likely, you know, maybe this team gets better as the season goes on. Uh, maybe the defense gets better. Maybe Dalen Morris, you know, gets better. Um, but I think it's more likely that the Navy is kind of a middle-of-the-pack American team this year. I just don't see them hanging with with that top three um, of Cincinnati, SMU, and uh, UCF. Mm-hmm. And as as far as, you know, an offensive strategy – what kind of offense do you think we see from Navy this weekend? Do you think it'll be triple option heavy? Do you think it'll be balanced? Do you think they'll have more of a passing attack to kind of throw off that ECU defense? What kind of offense do you think we'll see? Yeah, I, I do think we'll still, you know, like I said before, the triple option is, is always and always will be kind of the bread and butter of this Navy offense. As long as Kenny Amatololo is in charge um, and as long as Ivan Jasper is offensive coordinator. Um, you know, last week the fullbacks did have finally have some success against Temple. Um, I think they rushed for um, about 180 yards or so uh, combined between Nelson Smith and Jamel Carruthers, three touchdowns between them. Um, and, and like I said, you know, Dalen Morris is a better passer than Malcolm Perry, um, than Zach Aby was a few years ago. Um, so I do think the Navy will try to throw the ball more um, if the opportunity presents itself. 
Um, they had a lot of success throwing the ball against Tulane. Um, but last week they they were pretty conservative. They were happy, running, you know, just running the ball. Like I said, just only passed two times against Temple. Um, so so you'll see another triple option heavy heavy you know attack. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see you know Dalen Morris drop back and throw it maybe you know ten times or something. Can Can you talk to us a little bit about the uh, defensive scheme that that Navy runs? Yeah. Um... Once again, that was our interview with Mitchell Northam from Against All Enemies. Uh, that's an SB Nation site. Uh, they cover all the military academies. They've got several good writers. Uh, Mitchell is, I believe, he's the editing director, or um, I, th- I think that's what his title is. But he covers Navy football. He's been a lifelong Navy fan and. It, it, it was really cool to talk to him, um, but already I want to I want to kind of get into how can ECU. We've talked a little bit about how ECU can beat Navy, but how can what does ECU have to do for the full sixty minutes to beat Navy? Well, I, I touched on the defensive side of the ball, um, but offensively, can we build off of the mo- momentum of last week? And for me, I think it's going to be very important to start early. And that's, that's what we've done, you know, over, the, over the, you know, the last few weeks is we've been able to start early, but at times we haven't been able to sustain offense. And so can we string together three to four straight scoring drives? When I say scoring drives, I mean touchdown drives. Can we get together three to four straight touchdown drives to where we are playing with a lead? I think the biggest um, asset, to East Carolina this weekend is to play with a lead. I don't think they need to play catch up. We're not a team that's built to play catch up and we don't want to be in that position. So if our offense can go down the field methodically and not just have methodical drives, but actually score touchdowns on those drives instead of field goals. I love Jake Verity. I really do, but I don't want him kicking a bunch of field goals. I want him kicking extra points this weekend. So if we can do that, I think that's, that's, that's number one. Um, The midshipmen are allowing 37 points a game. So on average, so this is a very important game for us to actually flex our muscles a little bit on offense to be able to go out there, give our defense time to sit, rest, recoup, so that when they come back out, they are fully fresh for that triple option. So I think from an offensive uh, perspective, can we string together three to three to four, you know, straight scoring drives? Can we not turn the ball over? No fumbles, no interceptions. You know, have a have a flawless day in the in the turnover uh, category. And, you know, can we score touchdowns instead of field goals and put up, you know, 35 to 40 points in this, in this weekend's matchup? Yeah, I mean, I think that's important. Um, one of the things that I, I see is that Navy is still giving up so many rushing yards. I mean, they're allowing, mm-hmm. they're allowing nearly 275 rushing yards. And that, that's what ECU, like, surprisingly enough, ECU has leaned on their freshman running backs, uh, Raji Harris and Keaton Mitchell. And yep, they've really uh, stepped up. And I, I don't I don't know if you remember this already, but at the beginning of the season in our in our pregame show or against uh, UCF, I, I highlighted I said watch out for this Keaton Mitchell guy, um, mm-hmm. and these these are two freshmen that I mean I haven't I haven't seen two freshmen ball out like this from the running back position in a long time. Um, it's been a while. So the, if if those two guys can and can stay on the gas, you you might see some deep plays opening up later in the first half or hopefully in the second half. Uh, ECU then can 
adjust on offense and, and uh, make things happen. But you can't – the one thing that we've got to realize is we've got to get north-south. We, we said that last week, and, and we started to finally do it. But the thing was, I mean, Holden, I believe, only completed like 15 passes. It, it, it was something like 15, 16 passes. He, but he, he, he's got to be better than that. Um, but we also weren't passing the ball that much. Um, but mm-hmm. he, he, to me, he's gotta, we got to – we got to be able to be a completely balanced offense um, right. this week. And, and like I said, you know, I, I just talked about stringing together three to four scoring drives. But at the same time, I only think our offense is going to get the ball six times, seven at max. And so it's going to be vital that we actually score on pretty much every drive. We, we, we can't have three and outs. You know, three and outs are not going to win this game. It's, it's not going to win any game, obviously. But we cannot have a lot of three and outs. Whenever we get the ball, we have to capitalize and score touchdowns because Navy's going to hold the ball. I, I, and I know in our, in our interview with Pete, he was saying that, you know, well, they like to go fast tempo at times. I don't, I don't really see that in this game. I think it's going to be a, a kind of slow-paced, methodical drive from both sides. Um, and, and, and so when we do have opportunities to score, we have to capitalize on those opportunities. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you got, you got to make sure that you score on, on each drive, at least if you don't come, if you don't come away with a touchdown, at least come away with three. Um, but tu- yeah, at least come away with three, just not a lot of threes. Yeah, we, we need touchdowns. And that's been one of the things that has plagued ECU, uh, over the last year or so, um, they can put together a decent drive, but then they turn it over or make a right. boneheaded mistake and uh, cause let a sack happen or something like that. And uh, and you're back at the 45, and you can't mm-hmm. kick that field goal, but you're you've got like fourth and long. You're at fourth and 12 at that point, and then you're just okay. Let's take the penalty and punt it away. Um, right. You're you're not in fourth down territory yet. So um, I think to me. ECU has to play with the same mentality that Navy does. ECU, mm-hmm. Na- you'll see Navy. Navy is almost in fourth down territory at all times. Oh, oh, Navy's going to go. I, I, I think three you, or four times this you're not, weekend. Navy's going to go on fourth. You're, you're not going to see special teams that much for ECU. The only times you're really going to see special teams is on the kickoffs. Um, right. You, you won't see Navy really punting away unless they're really backed up in their in their own end. Um, that that's that's the only time you're really going to see Navy come out and try to punt the ball. Um, so that's going to be big. Is if ECU can keep scoring with them, it, yeah. It's it's it sounds simple, right, Artie? If you score more, if you score more, if you score, if you score more than the other points, team, you win. <laughs> that's a crazy concept. If you score more, you win. So, but but you know, also on the on the flip side too. And, you know, and I, and I, I don't know if our defense is, is, is all the way there yet to be able to do this, but I think a perfect scenario for us is three to four sacks, eight to nine tackles for loss, one to two turnovers. I think that's going to really help us as far as, you know, as, as a defense goes, as far as winning this game. If we can do that, we will win this game. You, you can cause turnovers in this game. Um, yeah. That, that's, for, that's for sure. Um, you can definitely cause turnovers in this game with, with that option with with so much running. You can cause fumbles. All you gotta do is put your helmet on the ball, and mm-hmm. ECU has shown that they they can do that. Um, ECU has shown, shown that they can force turnovers. 
um, whether they come up with them, that's another story. But they show that they're, <laughs> they they show that they can knock the ball out, and they can they can also go up and, and get the ball uh, and intercept it. But um, Ari, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, the depth chart. Um, we can't really get into much right now, but I, I wanted right. to. You know, the one thing I noticed was they dropped the or from Mason Garcia and Alex Flynn. Um, mm-hmm. Coach Donnie Kirkpatrick, he basically said, hey, Alex Flynn got hurt or has been dealing with like a nagging injury. The past couple of weeks, he, he's been taking the uh, the third string reps. Not He hasn't been right. taking the second string reps um, just because he's been dealing with a bum arm. But uh, that's that's really the main thing that I noticed was, mm-hmm. that, was that Mason Garcia and Alex Flynn weren't tied for, for second on the depth chart. Um, and still, um, w- things are going to change. We, once again, we're going to, we're not going to know much until kickoff. Right. And, and that might not be a COVID related thing. Um, that could more so be for a, you know, added pressure on your starter kind of thing where you, you know, a lot of coaches do those things to kind of put a little added pressure on them, kind of, you know, you know, edge them a little bit to say, okay, this is what I just did to the backup. Just, you know, kind of, kind of edging them on, letting you know, this is the week to kind of really show out and perform. But, you know, if, if, if we do happen to see a, a Mason Garcia sighting this weekend, I am excited to see, see what he's made of. I'm excited to see what the man child looks like. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. We don't know anything. So we'll, we'll see. I can tell you what he looks like. He looks very big. He's, he's, he, no, we saw him in person. He's huge. That is a, that is a man. Yeah, I and I, I'll be I'd be interested to see how they use him if it comes to that. Um, I know we're kind of dancing around what the rumors are right now, but um, I, I think that if we see Mason Garcia, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Okay, do we let him throw the ball? Because he, I mean, this guy's got a stud arm. He, yeah. th- I mean, this guy's this guy's a bona fide stud. Um, and he's shown out in, in practices in camp. He's shown out. He, he's gone in there. He's done everything the coaches have asked him to do. Um, he's focused on all the things he needed to focus on when he got to ECU. So he's got a good head on his shoulders. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's got a great football IQ. Um, yeah. that, and that's the thing that excites me. Uh, so we, we might see Mason Garcia this weekend. Um, that, that's what the rumors are that are – are swirling around. Um, I, I don't want to go into too much detail, but I, right. I know I know that that's one of the people that has been rumored. And then all I'll say is I know that there's a a receiver that's rumored to be out um, this this weekend. And we'll, we'll once again we'll just find out. We'll find out on Saturday um, right. when when ECU plays Navy on ESPN two at noon, uh, which is. ECU's second primetime game, really third primetime game of the season, which is which is nice to see. And and Jared, I want to I want to ask you this: What does an ECU victory do for the morale and the confidence of, of this team? If we're able to pull off this victory and beat a team that has dominated us over the course of of, of this short series that we've had with them, what do you think this does for us going forward? Um. Well, I think the the biggest thing is. If you remember back to the week one press conference, Coach Houston uh, forecasting UCF, um, one of the things he said was we need we need a 
we, we need like a showcase victory. Like right. we, we need a yep. victory that just kind of puts us on the map and shows mm-hmm. our, shows our guys that we can hang with anybody. I think right. if you beat, if you beat Navy and yeah, granted Navy's two and two, they're, they're two and oh in conference. They, I mean, they, they got smacked in the mouth twice by BYU and air force, but then they turned right, right. around and beat a team that we thought was going to be really good in Tulane. And then, um, and then also beat Temple. Um, if you beat Navy, I think that does a world of good because you got a you got a bad monster standing on the other side of the bye week in a couple of weeks uh, when you, when you got Tulsa. So um, yeah. if, if you can sit on that win for a couple of weeks, I, I think you're I think you set yourself up for a better matchup at Tulsa. You you guys are ready to prepare a little bit better. Um, Coach Houston last week said that. Those were the best practices that they've had um, leading into the USF game, the South Florida game. But then he also said that the practices that they've had this week have been uh, very good, very crisp. And um, so it, it just shows that once you once you figure out how to win, once you figure out what it takes to win, you can start putting it together right. more and more. And uh, I I know that listening to the coaches, listening to the to the players after the game and listening to their press conferences, um, I will say that, like, listening to them, they're, they're, they're excited. They're, they're happy to be back in the win column. And uh, yeah. you could tell that they were celebrating uh, Saturday night in Tampa and on, the, on a flight back, back, to, back to Greenville. This, this, it just feels like a team that wants to go out and play ball. You know, I haven't seen that from an ECU team in quite some time, but this feels like a team that just wants to go out and play and prove themselves. And if we can pick up a marquee win, now granted, like you said, Navy's not the Navy of old or the Navy like they used to be, but to be able to come out and to beat a team that has dominated you over the last five to six years, it just has to bode well for the psyche of this team. And if we do, we start conference play two and one, and we'll be two and two overall. And, and so I can't remember the last time we started two and one in the Americans. So I mean, it just has to bode well for the psyche of this ball club and if all, we are able to come out and win. And all I'm going to say is, I think that if it were a regular year, we're talking about ECU playing a top 25 opponent. Um, I, I I do think that with the with COVID regulations and restrictions, um, the way that Navy has to prepare being a service academy, um, right. I, I, I do think that that affected them going into that game against BYU. And, I mean, BYU is ranked 14th in the country right now. I, I, I was about to say, I, I still think they lose to BYU. I, I, I think BYU is good. But, I, I think they're a legitimate ball club. But I, I think that's a closer game, and I think that Navy, in the, at the end of the day, Navy has a shot at that game in, in pulling that upset. And mm-hmm. you're, you're looking at a team that is possibly um, 4-0 rather than 2-2. Right. Two and two. Right, and they and they've lost to two good teams. I mean, obviously BYU and you know Air Force is, is is an academy that doesn't get a lot of respect, and I don't understand why they've been consistent over the last five to six years. They don't lose a lot of games. They've been to plenty of bowl games. They've won a lot of those academy awards. So, and I'm not talking about the Oscars, but you know Air, Air Force has been very consistent. So they've lost to two good teams. They haven't lost to two scrubs. No, yeah, but in, and then they like I said, they turn around and beat. Uh... Two decent teams in Temple and Tulane. Granted, Temple was playing in their first game, and they they the one thing that impresses me or, or it's kind of exciting to me and kind of gives me hope for 
for Saturday is you look back, I mean, even going back to Navy's bowl game against Kansas State last year, uh, all of their wins have been by three points or less. And right yeah. now, I mean, we'll, we'll get into the betting line, but right now they're only a two-and-a-half-point favorite against ECU. So we know mm-hmm. that if, if all goes right, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a knockdown drag out fight to the finish and whoever this might be a game where at the end of the game whoever has the ball last wins the ball game. It very well could be, yeah. So Artie, um, look, I'll say uh, we'll, we'll start wrapping this thing up. Sorry, oh man, I almost did you see that? <laughs> no, I didn't. What'd you do? I almost knocked this mic down. Um, <laughs> Hey, look, it's it's almost 1 a.m. on the East Coast, baby. We tired. Yeah, we are tired. Um, And your boy's been grinding since 6.30 this morning. So, yeah. um, so let, let's go ahead and do do a little bit of the walk the plank. Artie, uh, you got somebody? Oh, man. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I haven't even thought of a walk the plank for, I, for this for this week. Go, go ahead. Go ahead and do yours. I, let me let me think of one real quick. I, I got one. Um, I'm looking up the guy's name. Uh, I I got one. I, I don't watch okay. bas- I don't watch basketball, but it's a basketball player. <laughs> I can always count on you to hate on basketball. Uh, anyways, it's not really the it's not really a player. It, it's more so, um, the Lakers team bus driver. <laughs> oh my goodness! For yeah, you forgot <laughs> Quinn Cook. I I don't know who Quinn Cook is. Never heard of him. Uh, that's a that's a Duke Blue Devil, man. Come on now. I, I don't give a shit about the Duke Blue Devils. Shout out, uh, shout out to Duke. Um, yeah, Duke got left uh, after winning a championship. Got left. Also, I, I have a I have a bone to pick with. Um, I, I won't go into so much detail with it, but with with uh, Mr. James, dude complaining about oh the only time I really ever feel pain is after winning a championship because I don't take an ice bath. Dude, get the fuck over it! Like, come on, man! Like, you're you're supposed to be. I've got to, I've got to come back to that. You're 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 supposed to be like the greatest athlete, one of the greatest athletes in the world, and you're talking about like a fairly non-contact sport. That I mean, what what if, what are you doing? You're out there for what forty-eight minutes, if that. That jeez. He, something about him just grinds my gears, man. Now, see, my walk the plank are LeBron haters like yourself and LeBron haters across the world that like to nitpick things that he says instead of nitpicking his game or nitpicking what he does in the community uh, or nitpicking the kind of man that he is. The only thing that LeBron haters have to say is, oh, well, he said that he was hurt after the finals and he's supposed to be the greatest of all time, yada, yada, yada. This man just won his fourth championship with his third team in year 17 at the age of 35, still averaging 28, 10, and like nine assists a game. The dude's greatness cannot be questioned, and what he does off the court cannot be questioned. And I'm not sure about what he does off the court. LeBron, what do you mean you don't care what he does off the court, Jared? I'm talking about being an athlete, being a teammate. He's a terrible teammate. So so okay, winning winning four championships on three different teams makes you a bad teammate. That to me, that's the complete opposite. You can't be a bad teammate and win 
three rings with three different teams or four rings with, with three different teams. That I makes mean, no sense, Jerry. All, all I'm saying that is he's, no he's the he's he and all other NBA players are all prima donnas. You They're all have prima donnas. No real reason to hit on LeBron James. Yeah, so could, no, I do, I do, I do. The plank. <laughs> I do have I have a real reason to hit on LeBron James. It's because I wa- I watch actual athletes and I'm I, he is a great athlete. Don't get me wrong, but I watch athletes like well then, I mean, well then just stick to your hockey and your baseball and leave that man alone. <laughs> like, yeah, but you, you don't want to watch him. I mean the M- the NBA is the most boring sport out there because you know what's going to happen. Then don't so- watch it, Jared. I don't. It's I that don't. Simple. I don't watch it, and I won't watch it. I'll. I don't give a shit about the. NBA I don't, I don't, I don't like water polo, but I don't, I don't bash those guys. But all, living their best lives. All, all I'm saying is, LeBron is the biggest drama queen, biggest prima donna there is, and he lives in the same city as Kim Kardashian. You telling me baseball doesn't have a bunch of prima donnas in it? Not, With not your bright stars of the world and your Jose Altuve's of the world and your Correas of the world. You telling me baseball doesn't have a bunch of prima donnas? Every sport's got prima donnas, Jared. Uh, I, you'd be hard pressed to find a prima donna in, playing in the NHL. You'd be hard pressed to find a prima donna playing in the NHL. Those guys because don't nobody talk about hockey players like that. Well, they should because those are those guys put their bodies on the line, and you don't hear jack shit from them complaining <laughs> about it like you hear from Mister LeBron with his bitch ass uh, beard that he's got that ugly ass thing. What the more you curse tells me the less information you have to hate on LeBron James. LeBron, listen to me. LeBron James, he, I, I've said it. I've said it time and time again. LeBron James is a great – he's a great athlete. I just don't like some of the things that he does that puts him in the limelight when it should be his team. Now, the thing with – he thing, doesn't the pain ask thing, for that limelight, though. He doesn't, he doesn't ask oh, for any of Oh, come on. Yeah, he does. Oh. No, he does not. Look, sport. I, I wake up every day and watch ESPN or Fox Sports or whatever it is talk about LeBron James. I, of course, I don't want to wake up every day and have to have to watch LeBron or listen to LeBron every day. They choose to do those topics because of his greatness. He's not asking for none of that. He's not going to these Fox board meetings or these ESPN board meetings saying, look, I need eight hours of, of TV time or else. That's not what's going on. I, I, I know that, and I I know he's not doing that. But when he goes and he goes and sits on the court and he says, "Oh, I'm doing it to take away. I don't want. I don't want the limelight on me." That's bullshit. You sat on the court because you knew what was going to happen. You knew that they were going to focus on you, and you knew you were going to get your camera time. So sit your ass down. And then also, when it comes to winning a championship, a real championship like the Stanley Cup, not some piece of metal like they have in the NBA. I mean, so the only the only real championship is the Stanley Cup. No other championship in sports matters. No. People that like basketball don't matter. People that play basketball don't matter. Uh, it's it's just a fake sport with a fake trophy. It, it's not a fake sport with a fake trophy, but I will say that the hardest so trophy the hardest trophy to win in in all of sports is the Stanley Cup. And, hardest, and that can be debated to the end of time. No, it can't. No, it can't. That can be no, de- it can't. That can be debated. No, it the can't. End of time. It cannot. This is what this is what we're gonna do, Jared. We're gonna can, agree to disagree. And we're going to keep this moving. All, all I'm going to say is the NBA, if the NBA tried to cross up with some uh, with some NHL players, they'd get their ass knocked knocked out, and they'd be bitching and crying about it all week on social media because that's all they do anyways. <laughs> oh, so, that was fun. 
basketball fans walk the damn plank. Jared Shaffin walked the plank. All right. Um, Lakers bus driver walked the damn plank. Uh, Artie, we, <laughs> let, let's start wrapping this thing up. Uh, we'll, we'll do some betting lines real quick. Um, we got some really interesting ones. Uh, we, we just talked about BYU. BYU travels to Houston uh, tomorrow night, Friday night. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess tonight, really, when we're recording this yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, B- BYU is only a five-point favorite at Houston, and the over-under is 62-and-a-half. Who you like? That, look, this is an interesting game. Houston is supposed to be good, but they've only played one game. They've had the whole COVID problem, and so now they're coming back. I honestly think that Houston's going to be a little rusty. I think this game will be close, but I like BYU. I like their quarterback. I like their coach. They got a very underrated coach at BYU. I forget his name, but he's a very good coach. I think is it BYU Bron- wins this is that game. Bronco, that's not Bronco Mendenhall, is it? No. I don't, no, 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 no. It's not Bronco Mendenhall. They got, they got a, they've got a um, Hawaiian guy now. Yeah, yeah. But, I, look, BYU is legit. And, and I think they deserve every bit of being ranked 14. Um, I think the game's close, but I, I got BYU in this one. Okay. Yeah. I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm going to roll with Houston. I'm, I'm going to roll with Houston okay. in this game. Um, okay. And I, would, I wouldn't be shocked to see Houston win. At, at least Houston covers. I, I, I think it's a close game. Um, if Houston loses, it's, it's, by, it's by a field goal. Um, okay. And the over-under, man – I'm I'm gonna take the over on, on the sixty two and a half. I, I think I think we see sixty three points at least scored in this game. Yeah, I mean, look, B, BYU can put up fifty by themselves. So yeah, I, I I take the over. Um. So then the next game, which I I don't know why. I mean, UCF is not ranked anymore, which is complete bullshit to me. Um. As as long as I'm reading this correctly. UCF is not ranked. They're playing on the road. They're at Memphis. They're a three-point favorite, and the over/under is seventy-three and a half. Um, mm-hmm. They play at three thirty on ABC, so primetime game. But uh, Artie, what's what's your thoughts on on the UCF Memphis game? Well, look, th- this is a must-win for UCF. If, if they want to prove to, to to people like you and people like everybody else in the country that still believes that they should be ranked and still believes that they're a top team in the country. They gotta. This this can't be close, in my opinion. UCF needs to win in a in a in a blowout. They need to win going away. Memphis is a good team. They're a legit team. I know they have one loss on the season, um, but this is this is one of those games that can trap UCF if they're not up for the task. I think they will be up for the task. I think they've got a phenomenal quarterback in Gabriel, but this is a game that UCF needs to win handedly. I think they need to win by fourteen to honestly get them back into a position to where where, where they wanted to be kind of at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a must-win game for UCF um, to, to put them back in the in the rankings. I mm. I still – I think it's bullshit that they have UCF, who is and 2-1, with that one loss oh. coming against Tulsa, who almost beat Oklahoma State, which is a top-15 team. I, I think it's bullshit that they've dropped UCF out. But yeah, UCF is a UCF in my opinion is a top probably a top twenty team, top fifteen team. And yeah, they, they beat Memphis. They, they yeah. Take take UCF to cover. They beat Memphis. Uh they actually you said two touchdowns. I think I think UCF actually beats them by three. Um they, just, they gotta win the blowout. But then um I think it is such a blowout that by halftime. I think you probably got Memphis's uh, 
the, I think you've finally got some uh, some of the backups in. So I'm gonna actually I'm gonna take the under on the seventy three okay. and a half. Um, okay. That I can't I can't just I can't pull the trigger on a on a seventy three and a half over under with uh with UCF and a Memphis team that's okay. Memphis is one and one, um, and zero and one in in the American. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and and just and just and just remember, Jared. They only kick UCF out because they had to make room for all those Big Ten teams that haven't played a game yet. Don't, Artie. I could I could go another hour. <laughs> like they had to make room for all those teams they ain't played yet. ECU and Navy. The game got moved to ESPN two because Cincinnati and Tulsa has been postponed. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati right now is number eight in the country. I guarantee right. that they they probably drop next week because they didn't play this week. But it's they gonna really yeah. it, what's gonna really piss me off and piss a lot of American Athletic Conference fans off is that UNC, who is now seen as a top five program out of mm-hmm. nowhere, which is bullshit. UNC gets their ranking goes up. They haven't played anybody. They played Virginia Tech last week, and I mean the whole thing with with the ranking system is the the ACC and your Big Twelve, your Pac Ten, those teams they get a bunch of teams in there and they they keep they keep those teams in there and they dilute the rankings and there, there's no reason for a Virginia Tech team to be ranked right now and they're they're ranked twenty third. There's yeah. no reason. What who have they beat? Who's well, Virginia well, Tech well, beat? Well, Jerry, don't 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 blow a gasket over UNC just yet. All right, I, I know they're ranked top five. But they're, they're not gonna, real. They're, they're not real. Yeah, they, they, look, USC is going to fall, and look, they're going to beat Florida State this weekend, which is one and three, and they'll probably beat Florida State. By I'm gonna laugh. 20. I'm gonna laugh. I'm gonna laugh my ass off when Florida State beats them this weekend. No, no, they they won't lose to Florida State. Florida State's a very bad football team. They won't lose to Florida State, but and and, and honestly, they'll probably you know they might even creep to four if you know chaos happens because you know Alabama hasn't played Georgia. One of those teams is going to lose, so Carolina might even move up to four. Which is don't bullshit. Take too much, don't take too much into that, because when they get into real competition, I don't know if they play Notre Dame this year, but I, I know they play Miami. I know they play Clemson. Those are two losses, in my opinion, and I think they lose another game as well. NC State is sitting at, I think, 2-1 and one or 3-1 and one right now. They don't look too bad. I think NC State has a great opportunity to beat Carolina. Don't, don't, buy, don't buy into that Carolina hype right now. Yeah, fuck state. Um, but you you actually just mentioned the next game on our on our lines. Uh, we got number three Georgia, the Bulldogs, Uga, mm-hmm. rolling into Tuscaloosa, number two Alabama. Uh, Bama's a four and a half point favorite. Uh, the over under is fifty seven. Already, I'm I'm honestly kind of surprised that uh Alabama is still a four and a half point favorite. I, I would have thought that they would have dropped uh dropped the line down just a little bit once they once the news came out that. Nick Saban has COVID nineteen. Right. I, look, I I think this game is going to be an instant classic. I'm really excited to watch Georgia Alabama. We got to watch Georgia up close and not up close and personal, but you know, we when we were down in Atlanta, you know, we got to go out and, and watch them amongst all the UGA fans. Uh, they look good. They look really, 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 really good. And they've already beat two ranked teams. Um, I got Georgia in this game, but I will take the under. I don't think that what was it, fifty seven. Yep, fifty-seven and a half. Yep, fifty-seven. No, I, I'm, 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 I'm taking the under. I think this is going to be like a, a twenty-four to twenty-one, twenty-seven, twenty-four kind of game. So I, I, I would, I would take the under. 
Yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over, and I I, I also have Georgia winning this ball game. Um, I, I think they finally get over the hump, and I think I think they knock Alabama out of the top the top five. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's just what happens this week. And Carolina moves to number three in the country. Some bullshit. <laughs> if that if that happens, I'll, I'll write to the the voting committee. I'm I'm telling you right now, you need to be prepared for Carolina being at least number four. In the I, I I am prepared. I, I am prepared. I, yeah. I've got my uh, letterhead ready, just to send to the <laughs> college football playoff voting committee because it's going to be bullshit. Um, <laughs> Carolina's not real. They're they're not. The ACC, aside from Clemson, is not real. Most of those teams, like no, may, no. maybe Miami, maybe maybe Miami. Maybe. No, no, look, Miami. Miami's good. Notre Dame is good. Yeah, but Notre we Dame. Notre Notre Dame. Like I don't. Yeah, they're in the ACC this year, but I don't consider them in the ACC. You, I mean, I, yeah, I, I consider them de facto ACC because all their other sports are ACC sports except for football. So they're kind of to me they're de facto ACC. No, they're they're right. an independent in football. Right, but what I'm saying is, in all their other sports, they belong to the American, or not, not the American, but the uh, Atlantic Coast Conference. So to me, I've always seen them as a de facto ACC member. So, and then Carolina, I know you hate Carolina. We all hate Carolina. I but mean, they're not my, a bad my, football team, Jared. Carolina's not a bad football team. You cannot sit there and say Carolina's bad. They're not but bad. They're not a. They're they're not a top fifteen team. They're not a top fifteen no, team. I think not right I now. Think they're top 20, I think they're top 20 at best. I think they're top 20 at best. But once again, it goes back to the ranking system, the way that we have it. You, you're able to rank a team that hasn't even played yet, and then if they are able to beat another team that is ranked in the top 20 that hasn't played a single game other than that game, then that other team gets to bump up. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It, it, it's utter bullshit, but um, – I'm not going to go any further into that. We, y'all know how I feel about about the rankings, um, but yeah, take. I think Georgia wins. Georgia wins and uh, take the over. Yep. Um, take the under. Uh, I got I got them over. Uh, I I think that game. I think that's more of a thirty-five twenty-eight type game. Okay. Um, and then Navy at ECU, ESPN two. Prime time at noon. Um, gonna gonna be one of the first games to kick off. Oh man, this, this is this is a tough one. Um, Navy, I'll Navy. tell you right now, I'll uh, I'll have my tequila sunrise ready at eleven thirty. All right, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll let you post that on the Instagram uh, for for all of our <laughs> for all of our listeners. Um, gosh, man, I I don't know how to think about this game because. I don't know if the line moves at all um, before game time, depending on what news we get tomorrow. Um, so, what I will say is, um, yeah, take – and I, I hate to do this, man. Take Navy um, and at the two-and-a-half because if, if you're betting now, take it. I think that the line's going to move closer to a five-point swing. Um, mm-hmm. So take the two-and-a-half. Um, that way you, you can get those points and, and um, bank on those just just in case. I'd love to see EC win. Um, 
man, I, I don't know if I can – I just can't pull the trigger on ECU right now. Not not this weekend. Not with all, with all the unknowns, I can't do it. You know, too many unknowns. This is the first game of the season where I, I really don't know, Jared. This is such a toss-up. Um, you know, I, I'm not shocked if ECU wins. I'm also not shocked if Navy wins. I, I really don't – I don't know how to predict this game as far as the score or as far as the over-under. Um, I, I will say if, if we can, if we can score early and often, and if we can, you know, prevent them from getting in the end zone in the first half, you know, and, and keep them to field goals, they're going to, they're going to score eventually. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to take ECU. I'm going to take ECU in a, in a, in a, in a stunner. And in a close game at home, I might be biting my words after that, but I'm I'm gonna take ECU in a close one at home. Yeah, uh, I'm taking Navy by a touchdown, um, at least. I hate to do that, and you know I'm. And, and look, you're not you're not you're not wrong for saying that. Like I said, I, this this game is a complete toss up to me. I, I just have no idea how to how to guess this game. Yeah. Well, now I'm like I said, I might be changing my my pick if we hear that. Uh, a certain a certain couple of key players are are going to play on Saturday, um, mm-hmm. but right as of right now, we don't know that we we won't know that probably up until game time um, on Saturday, which is which is twelve o'clock noon in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. We're going to have about thirty three thousand fans, thirty five hundred fans there um, this weekend. It's gonna be, it's going to be cool to see some some Pirates uh, back in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Um, it's definitely going to be a, a a interesting matchup. I think out of every team that uh, is in in our conference that matches up with Navy, I think we actually match up this year very well with Navy. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that we've got enough uh, speed on our offensive and defensive lines. It, it, that, that's the one thing I'll say. the The speed that we don't have any big guys, and that, that's why it's hard for us to really compete with the UCFs of the world right. up front. But we have, we have some speed and we have athleticism on the line. Um, so in, watch out in the trenches because it's, it's going be to be a dog fight in the trenches because you're going to have a bunch of athletes going in there. You're not just going to have the big boys in there fighting. It's going yep. to be a bunch of athletes in there banging heads. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I I definitely agree. Um, I'm I'm just excited to watch it. You know, it, just as a just as a fan of East Two Athletics, I'm just excited to see how we come out and perform in this game. Are we going to be up for the task, or are we going to fold? It's just it's just that simple. So I'm 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 excited for Saturday at noon, uh, and hopefully we're celebrating a pirate victory on the uh, on the post game show. You know what? You know what, Artie, I got a feeling, man. I just got I've got one of those feelings. I've had them before and they've uh-huh. they've always been for the most part they've always been right. I've got a feeling, man. Uh I'm going to, I'm going to switch my pick. I'm I'm going You're ECU. Switching picks. I'm I'm going, switching picks. I'm I'm going go. I'm going ECU. I, I think I talked myself into it with, with with the line. That that was that was my one concern. I think that coach uh coach Blake Harrell has the defense ready to go? They this is a if any team knows the knows the offense that that Navy's going to run, 
it's going to be right. ours. I, right. Our our team's going to be prepared. Um, so yeah, ECU. Um, we'll, we'll be we'll be seeing an ECU victory this Saturday um, against Navy. Once again, watch it on ESPN two. If you're not lucky enough to make it into the stadium, um, we we hope that all of you uh, stay safe. Have fun this weekend. Yep. Go Pirates. Um, make sure you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, Anchor. There, there's like eight of them. I'm not going to read off the whole list. Make sure you do that. Make sure you leave us a review. If you don't, uh, we will find you, and we will make you leave us a review. Leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Send us a DM. Um, send us some questions. Send us. Send, we'll we'll be coming to you after the game. Uh, we'll be looking out for for our post game uh, post game recap coming up yep. on on Saturday or Sunday morning. We'll we'll let you know. All right. Um. So Artie, with with that, I say uh, let's close this thing up and and close down shop. Absolutely, man. Love you, Pirate Nation, and uh, we'll see you post game on Saturday. All right. Go Pirates. <laughs>